Hi, this is Larry Hama, and you're listening to Back to the Bins. Who's bringing us in? Uh, I can bring us in. Uh, oh, sorry. That's the way. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. Uh huh. Back to the bins. Uh huh. Uh huh. I like it. Are we going straight into this thing? What's that? Are we doing any email? Or are we going straight into this question? We have no bins email. Unless oh. we do Avengers email. Well, I think but... we actually have. I think we have one piece of new bins email. Uno email. Eh, let's hold off on. Eh. Might as well wait until there's too much to actually read. <laughs> right. Maybe we should just read the one. The one. Neo. I don't. You know, it's it's cool by me, man. I don't care. Why don't we get? Actually, why don't we bring in the show first? All right. I'll da, bring da, it on with the show. This is it. Take it, Gardner. I'm just waiting. We, you we should have gone into a soft shoe right there. <laughs> of course, then well, I we stopped. Gonna, and... We're going to go bring this in or what? I guess. I was just waiting for Bill to get all of his songs out of his system before I... Yeah, They're you'll, your you'll be waiting a long, long time. <laughs> They're your openers. You, you have to jump in in between the pauses and the songs. No, no, no. You should be quiet while the host is bringing the show in. That's 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 The what hosts. When did you become the host? The host. The host. Oh, Who are you whatever. again? <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> I don't have to take this abuse. I can go in the other room oh, and let my wife abuse me. That's what the H is for. Scott, the host, Garner. There you go. He's a host like an alien. Like a symbiote. <laughs> All right. Are we ready or what? So, like, I guess when he goes <laughs> to his next host, if he went in the U, it'd be Paul Gardner or Paul Scott, Gar- Paul Scott Spataro. Or, you know, it's like something like that. I, I have no idea of what you speak. Dax, you know, like Ezra Dax, Jazia Dax. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. You, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be... Paul Scott. I'm, I'm not going to be the symbiote inside Scott. Ew. So there, there's pig, many reasons why that would never work. Little pig boy inside Scott. <laughs> Hello, a little... welcome to... Shut up! <laughs> isn't, there a little, isn't there a little pig you boy have, inside all of us? You should have a show called Welcome to... Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> okay, take two, take three, however many takes this is. Back to the bin. Welcome to Back to the Bins. My name is Scott Gardner, and I am joined as always by my very, very, very good pals, Mr. Paul Spataro, the producer. Hello. <laughs> is that it? That's it. Okay. Are you say more than hello? <laughs> and you're lucky you Do- get that. Dr. Bill Robinson. Oh, don't be doing that. Put your pants back on. Go go go, go get some tissues now. <laughs> Uh, how's it going, fellas? Nice. How you doing? I okay. Sorry. You know, I, I saw somebody posted something on Facebook that if you want to seem street, after you say every sentence, you just end it with "and shit." <laughs> so, like, I was going to the store and shit, <laughs> chasing some Pokemon and shit. What, what if you were going to the bathroom? I was going to the bathroom and shit. Does that make me seem street? Like you're what afraid up, that I cut you or something? You seem ignorant. And that's what it does. What's that? 
It just seemed ignorant. Ignorant? Ignorant. <laughs> Is that a Star Trek race? Oh, the pod- ignorants are here. <laughs> the ignorants. Oh, Alvin's uh, in here. Podcasting and shit. Yeah. That sounds like a that sounds like a title of a podcast, actually. Actually, it sounds like the content uh, the uh, content of a number of. Uh, never mind. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so uh, if you follow us on our Facebook group for Back to the Bins, and if you don't, then shame on you. Yes, come on. I mean, I'm not doing this for my health. Anyway, today, I mean, and God knows when this episode's going up because this this should be this could be weeks ago by the time uh, you're hearing this or or something like that. (laughs) Weeks ago. Be weeks ago by the time. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. You're speaking in whatever. Speaking in podcast time travel. Anyway. Today I makes your reader hurt. What the fact that uh, you know that we were sitting down the three of us to record an episode tonight, and due to real life, real life sucks by the way. But anyway, due to real life, um, I don't know about you guys. I won't speak for you guys, but I just did not have the time today to prep a book. Uh, I was just much too busy doing important things like playing Disney Infinity. So. I came up with the idea of, you know what? Why don't we just do a, a general breeze, you know, general discussion. Shut up! <laughs> Shoot the shit episodes. Um, talking, you know, just talking about comic-y stuff. Because, you know, people like that. So, and then I got to thinking, I don't really have a subject for said comic-y discussion talk episodes. So why don't we just throw it out there to the listeners and let them decide what did they want to hear us talk about. So this... The way it kind of shaped up, looking at the comments in the questions that we got here, this almost sort of kind of shapes up as almost like a like a grill the freaks, kind of like a grill the binzers episode, so to speak. So uh, I think this could be a lot of fun. I think this is going to be exciting. We did have one subject. Which which one of you guys came up with the with the 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 subject that we had going into this already that we weren't sure would be a full episode's worth. Oh, what about TV shows? Yeah. Was that yours? Yeah, I think I just threw out there discussing upcoming upcoming or current or past uh, shows. Okay. Comic shows like Preacher and Flash and, uh, well, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, they they did make that a comic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, just maybe a quick little discussion about that. Which ones we're watching, which ones we're excited for, where we're at. I don't know if we've only, if we've, uh, where each of us are at in them. I know roughly where Paul and I are at, but I don't know where you're at in some of them. I know some you don't watch. Run with it. What are, what are you watching? Uh, I've been I'm some, I'm about one or two episodes behind on Preacher. Have you guys been watching that? See, I've never read the Preacher comic book. Yeah, I haven't either. I, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't either. And I started to watch the first episode of this season, and I got sidetracked, and I never got back to it. It's pretty interesting, um, to say the least. There's, it's hard to uh, picture Howard Stark in, in a role as a tough guy, though. No, that has I'm I've I know what you mean because he was he was pretty good as Howard Stark on um, yeah Agent Carter. Agent Agent Carter. Carter. Yeah, but um, I'm I'm liking him as I'm liking him as as a tough guy because I don't know in the first episode if he beat up the guy. Yeah, that was when he took out the guy in the bar, right? Uh, I think so. Uh, the little kid that was saying, "Hey, you know, will you go basically beat up my dad because he because he hit hits my mom?" Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But then Jesse Cutler or is it Cutter or Cutler? Custer. 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 Isn't it, isn't it Custard. Custard. Colonel Mustard. <laughs> he went and beat the guy up in the bar when he came back from like a Civil War reenactment. 
And then um, he went and talked to the wife, too. And the wife's like, well, I like it when he hits me. He's like, okay, you're in that type of relationship. A little more than we needed to know. And um, he also has his, uh, you probably, uh, the first episode, I think, had the vampire in it, too, that was on the plane. Okay, that's, that's you've already passed what I've watched. Oh, I thought I could have swore that was the first episode. I told you, I started to watch the first episode. Oh, you started? Oh, I didn't okay. actually watch the whole first episode. Well, I don't want to spoil it. Let's just say he gets he gets a power, and um, with this power, he's able to influence people into doing things. I won't give away what it is, so in case you do want to catch up on it. Well, I'm thinking if he ran into a vampire, hmm, what what abilities do vampires have? So I guess he can turn into a bat. No, no, no. I mean <laughs> Jesse. No, he. No, 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 no. There's a different power. It has not, nothing to do with the vampire. Oh. But I don't okay. want to say. If you have, well, I mean, and and other some other listeners may not have. Uh, if well, that's if, one thing. Just just before we start, anything we talk about with these shows, there's a chance of some spoilers. So, well, since you personally beware. have not seen it, I'll give you a chance to catch up. I don't want to spoil it for you. And Scott hasn't seen it at all, right? No, uh, you know it. It's just it's one of those things. I because I hadn't read the comic mostly, but it's weird because you know I really like. Sometimes uh, I find that, it's a little refreshing because that's Garth Ennis, right? That, yeah, that, yeah. See, I really like him as a writer, but that particular one just it just doesn't grab me somehow. I just I, I've never been interested in in reading that particular series. And I watched, um, I don't know, the first I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes, something like that, of the pilot episode because whatever I had taped that night preceding it must have been walking dead i guess uh taped the beginning of that and i and i watched it and it just it just didn't grab me somehow so i mean i'm, I'm sure it has its fans and everything you know i've heard good things about it but it just i don't know it just wasn't anything that personally grabbed me um but i do like that actor i, I his name's escaping me but the one that played Cooper. Howard, yeah yeah I, li- I like him so i don't know i mean if i saw a movie with him and samuel jackson and he mm-hmm. plays a lawyer and he thinks he hits a pedestrian because he's a little bit drunk. Right. And he gets all caught up in this whole plot. It turns out he was set up. Uh, and, and he just, I don't know, I, I have a tough time seeing him in a tough guy role. Right. Now, that, that said, I haven't watched his show. He may pull it off very well. It may be that he's just acting so well in these other ones that he, he, he plays the more... Well, I will say this. He used to be a tougher character, but he either a promise he made to his father or because you find out watching the shows. Yeah, he yes, he was a tough guy until he took an arrow to a knee to the knee. And um, but I guess his father was uh, a priest and 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 had the church in this town. And I think he made a promise to his father to mend his ways or whatever. But at one point, Kenny Rogers sang about that, didn't he? Everyone considered him the coward of the county. <laughs> but you could have heard a pin drop when he turned. I, loved, that was, I always thought that was the coolest part of the song. Could have heard a pin drop when Tommy stopped and locked the door. The door. <laughs> he was anyway. in, um, I saw him in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. And uh, he wasn't too bad in that movie. I, I kind of like I don't his role in that. that. He was Henry Sturgis. He was, he was the guy that basically recruits Lincoln. Mm. Okay, yeah. It's been a while since I watched that. Now, jumping topics a little bit, what did you think of the seasons of uh, Agent Carter we had? You've seen all that? I, yeah. I still have the second season on my DVR. Oh, my God. Have you watched it? I, did I mention I still have it on my DVR? <sighs> I don't yeah, have room I, on the DVR I, I to keep stuff I already watched. 
Yeah, I finally got caught up on it. I, I liked that they made it tie into the season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that was on a break. That actually made a lot of sense to do it that well, way. Well, it did a little bit, but not... I mean, well, the... Uh, mm, I thought it did, anyway. I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought it tied into it. Mm, but I, I, well, I not, not, not directly with what that character, a certain character who... Um, Whitney Frost, I believe. Right, yeah. What the the quote unquote power that she inherits, which I think will might tie more into Doctor Strange move uh, the Strange movie coming out. What do you think? Could be. It could. I would like to see the Marvel TV stuff uh, incorporate the Marvel T. Uh, what I say, the Marvel movie stuff to incorporate the Marvel TV stuff. That off the top of my head, I haven't seen that really happening. The The TV stuff is incorporating the movie stuff, obviously, but the movie stuff doesn't seem to incorporate the TV stuff, and that's that's a little troubling. That's a little disturbing at this point for me, because I think the TV stuff could really benefit from the validation that it would get if it was thrown a bone now and again by the movie stuff. Uh, does, that, does that make any sense? It does, I, and I think they the, tried to do that. They tried to have their cake and eat it, too. They wanted to keep it separate, but then they brought Sif onto S.H.I.E.L.D. for right. one episode. You know, like, they, they, they weren't going to put anything with any significant characters. Where, Well, they tied, they they pulled it off kind of good with um, the Winter Soldier movie, you know, to where they had the whole Hydra thing. Now, where are you guys at in the last season of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? That I, I finished. No, I, I, I want to make sure you understand me, though, is that I feel like the TV show does very well with fitting into the cinematic universe. But what I'm saying is I off the top of my head, I can't think of an instance where the cinematic universe has acknowledged what's going on in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I want yeah, like, to see that happen because without them doing that, yeah, uh, like where like all the uh, the inhumans that are popping up in the show. But yet you don't see crap in right. the movies, like all these new heroes. And like, like Scott, you had mentioned, and I think it would have been real easy for them to do, they could have worked Talbot into Civil War really easily. Absolutely, and I really wish that they had done that, because he's a great character on that show. Yeah. I, I remember reading a while back that there was somebody, and it may have been Joss Whedon himself, I forget, but there was somebody in the, in the high muckety-mucks of the cinematic universe that was all bent out of shape because... The official party line or whatever for the the TV stuff is that the TV stuff isn't strict continuity because and, and this may have changed since I read this. But at the time, the thing that that was upsetting was the fact that the the official uh, word was that God, what's his name? Coulson uh, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the cinematic universe, he is dead. Well, I mean, he's as far as Joss Whedon is concerned, he is. Yeah, he's the front and center guy of the Agents of Shield TV show. He's so the one that, that brought back the helicarrier that was in. Right. They a, a, they acknowledge that in the show, and then you saw the helicarrier hole number right. sixty four, which is the same hole number of the ship I was on. Yay! <laughs> when when that one, the, Coulson's the one that brought that thing out of mothball so that they could use it in the movie. Right, but. Still, the official thing, you know, is that he's he's dead. He's still dead from Avengers. So that that's what and I, I mean. kind of guess I I understand why because you know that was the the reason for them to to come together. But even in that movie, 
Fury basically did some sleight of hand and, and he used the you know, because Fury was on the show and he's the one that brought back Colson anyway on the show. Right. Uh, they that's, that's they I mean. they the, they need the to bring him back in the in the cinematic universe. We need to see him in a movie. That's what I just, mean. Just to blow some people's minds. That's what I'm saying, is that the, the TV show is playing nice in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the Cinematic Universe is not acknowledging the TV show. And that's that's troubling, because for the people that don't watch the TV show, I think it makes it that much easier for them to just kind of dismiss it out of hand, because at the moment, it doesn't look like it's canon. Well, they and brought a lot so of characters into, I mean, into the TV show. What well, we had Angar, the streamer. Right, right, yeah, um, but it's not, it's not, you know, you know, see what I'm saying? It's that it's not a two way street, so things are going into the TV show, but yeah. the TV show show is not going into the larger cinematic universe, and I think that really needs to happen because they've had some really interesting and and you know I would think highly usable stuff develop in Agents of Shield, you know, because you've got. Uh, you know, like you say, the the different uh, super villains that they've come up with, like absorbing, yeah, the absorbing man. They had the they had the Cree at the you know, Mister um, Hyde. I thought Mister Hyde was fantastic. <laughs> I really liked that character on the TV show. Um, uh, and the, the what, 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 yeah, there's been right. a lot of good stuff. The way they tie the the Inhumans and Hydra together, mm -hmm. which I guess Paul, did you say you had you you are watched through season yes. three? Yes. Okay. All right, so if anybody hasn't seen all of season three, you may want to pause or jump ahead for a little bit because we're going to talk, talk some stuff <laughs> and go. Yeah, so anyway, the creature that they find on that other planet is like the, the god, is like where the whole thought of Hydra came from, their god. Uh, and that, of course, he looked, when they finally did the reveal, they did it twice, he looked like Davy Jones from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Right, with the squid head. Not from the monkeys. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. Although a lot of people were believers. Well, they yeah, saw his face. Yeah. Well, plus he uh, infected him with those little—I uh, don't want to say nanites, just like um, that. You know, if they were inhumans, he could. It was called the sway, that where he could change their minds and they basically get them to do what he wanted them to do. But they were really—he was really just doping up their brain and giving them a constant high. And when that was removed. Um, like like we saw with Daisy, aka Quake, or Tremors, as she was called as well. Um, you know that she, when she was quote unquote cured of that sway, she was so addicted to it she tried to get you know get him. Uh, which uh, I guess we should also say that this um, Hydra God or Inhuman God uh, inhabited or can inhabit bodies, and he had inhabited uh, Grant Ward's body after Coulson killed him on the on the planet uh, Mavith Mavith. Mabeth, Hamanamanahimana, something. Like I have that. no idea what the planet was named. Yeah, but uh, that's where Jenna finished uh, having Simmons's boyfriend. So, yeah, yeah, he had uh, exactly. So, oh man, that was gruesome. They, they showed some nasty stuff for you know the when he would because he would basically just rip apart hu human bodies and use that to heal himself, like he absorbed them or just. Ugh, yeah. Don't we all do that? Well, we do it with animals, I guess. Well, we don't heal ourselves. I mean. Anyway, it was in um, that whole second half of the season. It was it was the whole um, they had met the one guy that became an inhuman. Well, I mean, I guess if no nobody's seen it, they don't know how people became inhumans. It was from the release of the uh, of the Terrigen crystals into basically the food supply. 
indirectly into fish in right. the ocean. Right. And uh, fish oil tablets and fish and, and just basically cause anybody with a latent inhuman gene to transform and become an inhuman. And uh, they had some pretty interesting powers. The one guy that could turn people to stone. Um, Great gargoyle. Right. And right, also yeah. the other guy that could, I guess he manipulated metal, but at first he could just melt it. Right. Yeah. And then the one character, Yo-Yo, to where she could, she, she could move from one position. One position to another and back again. As long in the span as it was of in a heartbeat. Sight. Right. But no, but it was only in a span of a heartbeat, I think. That was as far as, 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 as far as she could move at that high speed in like the span of a heartbeat or something. So, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of interesting characters that were um, brought up. And, and now they, um, at the very end of the season, we see that we may possibly be seeing life model decoys and yeah. that Daisy is now a villain. And we're not r really sure who the director is. It could be the guy that was on um, Spartacus and the uh, the mummy movies as the one the one girl's brother. I can't remember the actor's name. Andy Wood, because he's he did a show on Spartacus. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. So, what else you watching? Uh, ben is really Ben just finished watching the first season of The Flash. He's like, oh, I want to see season two, but it's not on yet. I'm like, eh, sorry, buddy, you got to wait. I know you haven't seen it, Scott, right? Well, it's funny because Logan and I were digging around on Netflix the other day looking for something to watch. And are you watching the flash? We, Come on. We have man. to see the flash come around on there. And I'm like, you know, everybody keeps telling me how great this show was and everything. And I said, I don't know. I didn't really care for the pilot. Do you think we should give it another chance? And he's like, well, let's see if season two is on there because uh, he goes, I want to watch it if season two is on there. So he looked and season two is not on Netflix yet. So he's like, ah, I don't know. I don't really want to start watching it. If, if see, the second I season started watching, so I'm like, hmm? I started watching. I caught it about the eighth episode in. Then I went back and watched from one to catch up to where I was because I watched because everybody was saying that that, you know, oh, this is great. Da, da, da. The first episode. Yeah, it didn't really do that much for me. But but where I came in at and then and then got caught up, I liked it a lot better. So anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I cut you off. So he's like, no, nah, I don't want to watch it. So I ended up getting uh, kind of hooked on another show. I'm trying to get up and get up to speed on right now on Netflix and then today, as we were out running around town, you know, doing errands and stuff, I don't know how it came up in conversation, but he said, uh, yeah, so I've been watching The Flash. I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought you said you weren't going to start watching it. And, we, you know, if you did, then we would watch it together. And you say, oh, I didn't know you wanted to watch it. I'm like, you're the one that said, no, I want to wait until season two is out. And I said, so how many episodes? You know, you know, I'm like nine episodes. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I don't know if I'll ever end up watching it or not. So the thing is now is that that show is going to have an incredible hurdle with me, even if I do start watching it, because, all right, for one thing, not a fan of The Flash. Loved the old 90s show, but that was kind of a one-off thing. I am not a big fan, fan of, the of The Flash either, but I'm... I really didn't like the pilot. Um, it, it just It just didn't do anything for me, and I thought... This is one of those things. Again, I'm I'm the outsider guy. I fully acknowledge it. But that big reveal at the end of the first episode, and I won't say what it is in case somebody out there hasn't seen it yet and is planning to watch it. But when they did that reveal at the end of the pilot episode, I, it pissed me right off. I'm like, you don't do that in the very first episode. If you want to do that three years into the run of the show, then that's fine. 
you I don't honestly don't, rem- I actually don't remember the big it, reveal. It was just, it was so stupid. And then because people will not shut the f- up about this show, it's made me start hating it without even really watching it just because I'm so sick of hearing about it. So, you know, I, 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 I don't like that, you know, that this is going on, you know, that all my friends are, are into this and I'm not. So it's, it's kind of put the pressure on me to kind of check it out. But I'm just saying I'm acknowledging the fact that it's it has some high hurdles to cross with me. Well, are you more me already? Because I'm already so far the other way, say, you know, I don't want to say don't take this the wrong way when I say it. Are you, you more? Af- no. <laughs> are you more afraid that you wa- that you'll watch it and you won't like it? And then somebody will be like, oh, what do you oh, what do you mean? Or you are you afraid like you'll it? watch it and you will like it? Yeah. Yeah, true. Or the flip side, you'll be like, man, I wish I had been watching this all I'll along. I'll be completely honest. It's a little from column A and it's a little from column B. I'm, a, I'm afraid I won't, I, that I'll stick to my guns and I won't like it. And that will bother me because, again, I, I, I hate when that happens. I hate when everybody else is... And everybody else is right and you're wrong? And I'm the other way. I hate when that happens. But then at the same rate, you know, I don't need something else to fall in love with and uh, and take my time. So I almost, I'm almost hoping that I start watching it and I get like three episodes in and I'm like, oh, I gave it three episodes. It sucks. I'm done. You know? So I don't know. It I, does I have a bit. I think you'd sorry, be like that ahead. with Arrow. I don't oh, think you yeah, Arrow, Arrow was a slog. <laughs> I've been watching Arrow too, just because some of them are, you know, the whole DC TV universe, but Arrow is not as good as the flash. It's just not. And it's gotten very repetitive. And this past season, yeah, yeah. This past season, I could have just done with that altogether. Yeah, but uh, I, I think I, I'd like to think you'd like the Flash if you're able to keep an open mind. See, I, I try not to slag the Flash or Supergirl because I know it has its fans, and and I know a lot of my friends really like it, and I respect their opinions and everything. When it comes to the to the Arrow, and this is where, if you're listening to this and you're a serious Arrow fan, you probably want to fast forward a couple of minutes. But here's the thing. Green Arrow sucks. I'm sorry. I've always thought Green Arrow sucked. And the fact that he's got a show that anybody's taking seriously, I, I just find it laughable. I have zero interest in Green Arrow, so I will not be watching it. And one of the things that really helped give me such a low opinion of the Flash um, pilot episode was when Arrow guested on, you know, when he when he popped up in that because that guy sucks. He's a terrible actor, and that was the cheesiest moment of a pretty cheesy pilot to begin with. He just It just didn't work for me. And I was watching that thinking, this is the thing that everybody keeps raving about? Because this is crap. So, again, I'm sorry. I know it has its fans, but I, I just got to call it like I see it. The arrow moment of the Flash pilot was just silly. So, well, see, they, they... I just take it seriously. They dropped hints of the Flash through was it the first or second season of Arrow to where they would have like news programs on in the background saying, and in Star City they got ready to start the um, the collider, blah 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 blah. Right. And then I guess at one point it actually blew up, and then that's where it picks up in the Flash season. I think was like season three of Arrow, um, and that's what made me go back and watch some Arrow. Now some of those earlier seasons of Arrow are interesting, but then the later ones. Like 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 Paul and I said, it's it's just not as good. It's, it's it's like the same. I mean, this past season was basically this. You know, oh, we're going to destroy the city. Ha ha ha! The, like that's the villain's main plot, or in this case, the world. 
but it's just uh, and the, Neil McDonough's a pretty good actor, but uh, you know his the character. The problem I'm having with all those those DC TV properties though is that they're all using the Smallville formula, which I understand it lasted ten years and it has its rabid fans and everything, but that formula for me personally just never worked. I don't like the effects that look like you know, like season one of Star Trek, the next generation or something. It's just, they're bad. It's like bad no, the fa- tape the effects or something. The flash that, season, the flash effects have gotten better. Would you I agree, Paul? I just, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's you a good question. See, I hadn't really, you could about see it. that some, I would say some, um, you could see the budget it, it, that they really put more in certain, like, all right, let's just, this isn't going to uh, try not to be a spoiler for King shark. I was just going to say, I thought he was excellent. Yes. And it had a, it could have been really bad. It could have looked bad, but you know, I, you would believe that there was a 10 foot shark walking the city, <laughs> fighting the flash. And what about Grodd? Oh, Grodd is great. Yes. Yeah. And, but now Grodd there was good. Uh, Grodd is great. Great. Let us thank him for this food. Amen. <laughs> Grod. See, I, I, I got it, you know. But now, other no, times no offense, where, Scott, but where if you watch they, it and you don't like it, I'm going to think it's because you didn't have an open mind because I think you should like this show. Where they show Grant Gustin running, there's been some that just really the, the effects don't look that good. You know, where there's one do... of you running in New York. That effect was good. <laughs> exactly. That's you the know, most unrealistic thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Me running or? Oh. Yes. I can run. <laughs> But uh, well, we we have a lot a lot of other questions to get to. Do we do we want to keep going with this uh, trailer? No, that's it for this week. We'll see you all next week. Oh, <laughs> I mean shows. Uh, yeah, I mean we're getting the relaunch. I mean, it seems like everything's coming over to the CW now. Mm-hmm. Um, What's relaunch? Arrow, uh, Supergirl's coming to that. Uh, I think we're going to see Constantine might be popping up more on. TV. Well, he showed up. In Arrow this year. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up again. Yeah. Um, so what have we got on the other channels? We've got Preacher. We've got, well, we've got The Walking Dead. That's a comic property. Mm-hmm. And we have the... That, I, 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 what I say about Walking Dead is that I'm at the point where I watch it out of habit. Yeah. It's, it doesn't really do anything for me anymore, but I just watch it because I've, I've been along for the ride this long that I just feel like, oh, I may as well stick with it. But sooner or later, if if the show keeps lasting season after season, sooner or later I'm going to drop off. Mm. I'm I'm kind of amazed I haven't already because um, I've I've dropped off the comics already, so I'm kind of surprised I keep with the show. But that's that's been me for seasons upon seasons now with The Walking Dead. I'm not exactly sure why I keep watching it. I, I guess mostly just because it's. It's actually one of those things that, you know, pulls the family around the tube together. I, I don't know why. I mean, it's zombies brings the family together. Disturbing. Yeah, exactly. It should be very disturbing. The the fact that that show, you know, brings everybody together. But it does. I mean, the family all, hour. It, yeah, <laughs> it's funny exactly. you say that because my one, well, one of the guys that I work with, he, him, his wife and his two daughters, they watch The Walking Dead. In fact, they they took a trip up to D.C. and on the way back down, they stopped in uh, in Georgia and uh, went to the the restaurant that that Norman Reedus co-owns with uh, Nicotero. Right. And um, they also saw the they they saw the town that was used for Woodbury. Because that's where the that's where the restaurant is. It's right on that main street. It's it's the main street of this town. So is, is where. So is the restaurant is in the terminus. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, they said term. Well, they took a tour and they got to see the wall uh, there where where Alexandria is, where the wall is, the gate gate and everything. So they got some nice shots, some nice pictures. So so, yeah, Walking Dead, bringing families together since uh, <laughs> 2000, whatever. Um, All right, yeah, we ready I, for some other I guess we've rambled on on about t- TV enough. Do we want to read the one email and then we'll get into the questions? Sure, go ahead. Uh, and it comes from it's a show 216 comic talk and email, and it is from Kirk Grunveld. Grunvald. Griswold. Grunfield. Hansel? Hansel? Oh. Hey Benzers. Sounds like we're a bunch of drunks. Oh wait, that that would be That would be boozers. Boozers or uh, really need to work on our nickname because that Benzers thing just has never really worked for me. Does it work (laughs) for you guys? I thought if anything, it would be Binsters. Binsters? Not Binsers. That would sound like a bunch of old maids or something. Binsters. Like Spinsters? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Binsters. Male Spinsters. Binsters. Studs. (laughs) Bin divers. Whoa. (laughs) I didn't. Anyway, hey, Binsers. I downloaded an older show and was listening on the way into work. You had asked if any of you, any of you three, had the. You had asked if any of you three had the Marvel Masterwork volumes, and if they recolored the artwork. I have them all. Well, not really, but probably seventy-five percent in hardbound, and I can agree that the colors have been recolored based upon the most recent. Oh, I thought he was asking if we had like recolored them. Uh, <laughs> and, well, actually, I kind of did like like. Uh, I did that a long time ago with one of the black and white Star Wars books that I got. You pretended it was think, an adult coloring book. Well, yeah, I, I just it was it was that Star Wars two one I think that you and Chris talked about years ago, Scott. I you know I just thought of something. You know how we have the real life with Doctor Bill segments in this show. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Until we finally get to get off my lawn proper as its own standalone show, we need to have whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the get off my lawn moment or whatever. This thing about adult coloring books, this has been the biggest disappointment in, in recent times for me. The, the thing the of lack the, of superheroes. No, no, no. When I first heard about adult comic books or excuse me, coloring books. Figured porn. Yeah, exactly. My mind naturally went there because that's what they were. You know, adult coloring books. I'm thinking, I don't want to color in a big schlong. Some titties. Yeah, absolutely. Bill, Bill, Bill. What? What? See, you can think adult without thinking schlong. (laughs) No, you can't. You could go on the other side of the aisle there. (laughs) Yeah, but it's, you know, you got to have one for the men and for the ladies. And and why are you getting the one for the ladies? then? No, it would be in the same. It would be, you know, whatever. And then just no. to find out that it was nothing more than a, a, a coloring book for people that had aged out of coloring books was just like, what the hell is this? So, yeah, that that's my get off the lawn moment for for this episode. I'm that just today's coloring books. What a disappointment. Back to the email. And I can agree that the <laughs> colors have been recolored based upon the most recent reprintings and updated footnotes. That is, the master or stats had been altered with an update to the of the footnote references to key to the then current reprint issues. Example: instead of saying Spider-Man number thirty-eight, it might read Marvel Tales one fifty-nine. It had been my feeling that the I'm falling asleep while I'm reading it, so I don't know what you're snoring for, because I don't even I just read that sentence and I don't even know what I said. Oh, I don't even know what been, I'm talking about. <laughs> it had been my feeling that the colors, while more intense and bright 
It was so great. Are almost set on top of the glossy paper and never bleed down and into the paper. The way the old newsprint used to accept the ink and colors dulling them. As a result, many fans have criticized the glossy paper masterworks. But if that's the only way you can ever see the classic issues, I'm not sure that it makes much difference. Yes, Paul, the recoloring of the recent trade paperbacks of Tales of Asgard backups is beautiful. An example of patience and craftsmanship produce a superior product. Though it may cost them a bit to get a professional colorist, is there such a word? To set the colors, it is worth it in terms of improving the color palette and making the product more appealing. Just my two cents worth on an old discussion. Kirk Greenfield, co-host of the Imperious Rex Confessions of a Serial Surface Invader podcast, along with co-host Ren Greenfield. That may have been the most annoying reading of a letter I've ever heard. Now, somewhere <laughs> out there, there are women rubbing their listening devices. They're adult coloring books. <laughs> yes, exactly. Damn, dude, I never knew you had it in you. I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh... That you know, was Doctor Bill's. I was looking, I was looking at an old, sexy old, boys. Yeah. an old recolored page not that long ago, and it started to make me think that art has not progressed as much as we think it is, or think it has, quite as much as the process has progressed. Yes. Because when I saw some old stuff recolored with the new process, it didn't look. You know, even even the artwork looked more. You know, more recent. It looked to have that more advanced style to it. And the artwork was exactly the same. So it just shows you that the old process, you know, that made some of the stuff look less sophisticated. And I don't know that that's necessarily to the worse, because I love some of those old books and the way they look. But I don't mind the recoloring process. I know some people feel like it's, uh, you know, it, it's damaging the work. You know, that, that it was drawn expecting that coloring style, and therefore you're not getting the true intent of the artist. But... I'm, I'm hesitant to, to take that step. I think, you know, it looks good and I don't care. That's my take. My two cents. Cool. All right. And that was our only email tonight. That's that the only email. Only We have a lot of Avengers email, but we'll just do that at another time on another show. All right. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to dive into some of the suggestions that we had as part of my uh, post to our Back to the Bins Facebook group about things that you wanted to hear us talk about. And the very first one on the list here, I have to admit, for me personally, is a bit of a stumper. So from Gary, I'm going to pronounce it Arkel. You think it's Arkel? I believe or it's Arkel. Arkel. Okay. Gary Arkel. Arkel. Uh, Urkel? Gary, write in and let us know how you pronounce your name, buddy. Can I uh, do that? Oh, he just says here, he says, funny stories about hunting down back issues. Oh, come uh, on, we got some great funny stories. When okay, we, all right, go ahead. When you and I, when we were at Conjure and they were selling them by the pound. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, I'll take this stack for a pound. Because was that where you got all the... Um, I got a bunch of the Starmans, like zero to twenty-five. Yeah, yeah you did. Yeah, you bought uh, yeah. for for just a couple dollars. Yeah, it's like yeah, you're selling true. them by the pound. I mean, we were digging through. We were digging through for power packs, and uh, because Logan was with us too. Yep, that's true. So I that guess was... I was thinking funny stories, like I don't know, like and 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 then her dress you know, fell down and all oh about, about hunting back issues, but um, I mean that that was the first time I ever encountered the buy the comics by the pound. Yeah, uh, that's true. I've never seen that before or since. 
Yeah, that was a, that was. A I new was one. tempted to take all the bags and boards out because I was that cheap. <laughs> Wait a minute! If I take this out, it'll be you know two milligrams less. Yep, exactly. But how does that convert into pounds? Oh my head! Oh, why did we never learn the metric system? Oh, Paul, I don't think I have any stories that I would think are funny. I just I remember one time I was at a convention and I'm going through the bins and. It was, I don't even remember what, what book it was. It was a book I needed, though, and I pulled it out, and it had a slight tear in the cover. And then, you know, they had a little uh, little piece of tape on the, co- on the cover of, you know, on the plastic. You know, each one was bagged. They had a little piece of tape on, each, on the cover, on the, each bag, which would have something that said the price. And I looked at the price, and it said free. And that was because it had a little rip in the cover. And I thought, that was like the coolest thing ever, that they had this book, and they actually bagged it and, and priced it as free. And put it into the bins. <laughs> of course, naturally, that obligated us to find other issues to buy from them. Because it really would be uncool to say, oh, free, thank you, and just walk away. Right. <laughs> but that's, that's like a story that jumps to mind. Like I said, nothing that's going to crack you up laughing. But I just remember just, you know, scratching my head and thinking, that's so cool that they put that in there for free. He had a follow-up question. He wanted to know, did you ever tape coins to an index card and mail it in for a back issue? Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Really? Do you remember in the 70s, in the books, they would have the thing, like, mail in 35 cents to get their price list? Right, yeah. And I would do that, and that's where I would put, I would take, like, 35 cents and tape it to an index card and mail it in. Hmm. And they'd send back the list. And I remember one of them, I ordered about five books from it. And they were probably, you know, a dollar or two a book, you know. But, you know, decent books. Not, not you know, books that you'd find really cheap. And I sent in cash, and they sent me the books. You know, they didn't just say, okay, and keep my money. Well, see, Scott, what Paul's neglecting to tell you is that that's when they had those coins that were like the signs of stones, and he had to <laughs> attach it to a big piece of wood. Oh, sorry. Aww. I remember one of the, one book that I got that way, and it probably cost me 2 or $3, was uh, X-Men number 10 with the X-Men against the Avengers, you know, in the original run. Right. It probably cost me like 2 or $3 at the time. Not, what? Not, a, not, you know, not a mint copy by any stretch, but still... Sent in cash. They sent me the book. $2. Where's my $2? It's probably about 2 bucks. That's the one I specifically remember getting that way, but I, I know I'd gotten a, a, you know, a bundle. I have certainly ordered a, a large number of back issues in my time, but I don't remember ever taping coins to an index card to do it, though. I have never ordered a back issue. I've always gotten them from a store, you know, gone in and dug them out. I've never ordered one. Really? Yeah, never. Like when you were in the Navy, you'd never like wrote in to, God, I remember one of the, the ways that I was really... too busy going around the poop deck singing show tunes. <laughs> I remember one of the ways I really padded my collection in those early days when I was just trying to beef up, you know, my issue count was, uh, do you remember, I'm pretty sure it was Comics Buyer's Guide that used to run all these ads in there, you know, send us $20 and we'll send you a giant box of shit. Do you remember those no. ads? Well, no, yeah, but really? I, oh, no, man, I, I was that, getting like, everything. Paycheck, I would send, I'm pretty sure it was like 20 bucks. It was like 20 bucks for a box of, God, I'm trying to remember how many it was you would get. I want to say it was like 50 or 60 books guaranteed. And it was just, it was blind. You know, it was, it was a, what do you call it? A grab yeah. bag. And, and I think it was 20 bucks and you would send them 20 bucks. I mean, I bought grab bags food. off the stand, but never, never through. Well, hold on a second. Hold this on was a, a service that it was, you know, I mean, it was a reputable. Oh, wait a minute. I did send away for one comic. It was new, though. It was way back in it. It was Alpha Flight number 
10, I think. I think I got that and like like it was for a Marvel thing where you sent away and you would get like three comics. And I remember one of the ones I got was the one where the Super Scroll gets beamed down. Yeah. Um, and fights Sasquatch. It's when he gets beat. He was yeah. he was floating around in like the atmosphere. He was uh, you know yeah. I don't know. He he'd was been, he'd been blown uh, apart with the transporter. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, basically exactly, yeah. Walter Lansgowski, whatever his name is, was able to re thought it was he was beaming back the Hulk, but he beamed back the Super Scroll. Yeah, and I remember uh, that. yeah, that was that was one. I don't remember what the other two were, but that was one that I got through the mail. So I'm sorry, I did get an issue. Not necessarily a back issue, but an issue through the mail. But all the rest of the books I got, when I was in the service, when I would go to see, I would give them about 100 or $150 and just say, these are the books I want. I'll, I'll, when I get back, I'll pick them up. And I'd come back and I'd have like three three paper. You know, back when you had paper grocery bags? Right. I'd have grocery bags. It would be filled all the way to the top. Then they'd flip a bag over and put it over the top. And then, then they'd tape it. And I had three stacks of those when I got back. They go through of by then they were six months old, you know, the ones at the bottom, of, you know, or in, in, in the first bag. So I had a lot of books to go through and board bag and board up a lot of reading to do. Yeah. See, you were on a ship, whereas, you know, I was on a base. So that that was part of it. It was, you know, I had a steady um, location for things being sent to me. Yeah. It sucked so, when you went to sea. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> But yeah, I want I want to say it might have been Mile High. I really I just don't remember. It's been so long now. But it was it was a reputable comics distributor of the time, and you would send them. Uh, like I said, I'm pretty sure it was twenty bucks, and a, it would take about a week. And you get this big ass box in the mail, and it was it was like a giant grab bag, and like ninety eight percent of it was pure shit, you know, but. <laughs> Every at least every box was guaranteed to have at least like one gem that was in there. And uh, yeah, I remember getting some really good stuff out of those because I was just getting into comics. So at that time, I, I didn't quite have that filter for, you know, what was great, what wasn't so great. So I remember reading pretty much anything that they would send to me, you know, and, and, and I kept a lot of those books. And, you know, it's just a nice way to, to quickly build a collection. It, it may not have been, you know, the, the greatest stuff out there, but it was also cool because it would be just a complete mishmash. So there would be a lot of Marvel, a lot of DC, a lot of independence. It was all over the place. So it kind of gave you a nice cross-section of everything that was out there. And uh, that, that was cool. I kind of miss those days. All right, let's see here. Oh, wait, there's Next. a follow-up question to your the follow-up question. It's from Scott Gardner. Gary, how do you pronounce your last... Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I just posted that. Uh, has he answered yet? I hadn't refreshed. No, no. No, not yet? Okay. All right, so our next one on the list here, we have our old buddy Kirk Greenfield writing back in again, and he's got uh, he's got several questions here. We'll try to have do this uh, fairly to everybody, so we'll kind of do this uh, rapid fire here, as rapid fire as we possibly can anyway. So first question do I need from to... Kirk is... Do I need uh, to read it in my sexy voice? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he says, how about how each of you got into collecting? Not just the first book that dropped in your into your lap, but what made you start aggressively seeking them out to buy? I think we all have a little OCD gene in us. Mm. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it just something happens to click it on, but I don't think there's a specific event or anything. I think just all of a sudden we decide, you know what? 
I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, not just that. It's a, it's an addictive medium in that you're often one book will lead into the next. Well, I got to see the rest of the story. Or if you don't have that one issue in between, like you're missing two issues in between some books, you're like, okay, well, how did I get to here? How did they get to this? I, I got to know. I got to find this. I got to know. I must know. I got to know. I yeah, think the biggest I, I just thing think something me, just clicks on, and that's it. You're done. Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me Much like was the infinity that figures right now. <laughs> it's, it, it, I mean, I really didn't appreciate it at the time, but looking back on it now, having an old man that lived right in our town, whose collection went back to the golden age, who was very kind, very accessible, very generous with his time and his knowledge and while we paid him for the comics that you know we would buy from him, obviously, um, he never, I mean, he never scalped us. He never overcharged us. And I can't remember him ever refusing a sale. I can't remember him ever saying, no, 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 that issue's not for sale. If you had the money, you know, and you were willing to pay his price, and again, like I say, his prices were always very generous, um, then he would sell it to you. And so while we didn't have a comic shop, Walt was kind of our comic shop. And, and more importantly than that, he was our he was our Ben Kenobi. You know, he was the guy that kind of took Chris Honeywell and I under his wing to say, OK, you got you kids are interested in comic books. Here's where comic books come from. Here's the origin. Here's the creators. Here's how the process works. Oh, you want to learn more about this character? Well, here's where this character comes from. And again, you want to learn more about this character? Those books are way, way down in the basement. You'll have to come down there with me. He didn't well, sound like the guy, the old man from Family Guy. Hey, little boy, want to come well, over and look at the no, comics? No. Uh, see, I wish you guys hadn't gone that direction. Oh, I, come on. That's totally not the, the kind of... It's totally not the way Scott's mind lets him remember it. But... Um, it's just completely do, derailed me. We do anything to derail It's what we do. No, it wasn't. It was we, not. We like, understand. We're we're sorry, Scott. We did not mean to make light of your reverence for your mentor. He just. No, uh, no, I meant to make light of it. I just hope nobody's insulted. But it was, you know, like again, you have to remember this was at a time when, you know, there there wasn't any internet. There there weren't a lot of great resources out there for for children that were interested in more than what was on the stands that week. And and he kind of filled in that, you know, that need for us to to want to learn more about these universes that we suddenly found so interesting and everything. If it hadn't been for that, I, I don't know, you know, would would I have uh, become a collector to the depth that I am, you know, that, that is carried on to this whole, you know, this, this very day. I don't know because at that time my interests were pretty limited. It was star Wars, um, which he couldn't help me with because he, you know, he hadn't collected back, you know, he wasn't still collecting actively at that time. So star Wars was kind of off the table. Um, and the other one was Superman, which that's where he really fed, my interest and my love for the character and, and really kind of nurtured my interest in comics because Superman, you know, naturally by being the first one, you know, spiders out into everything else that is comic books. So, uh, you know, by kind of feeding that interest in me, that that's how I started branching out into other characters. It, it, it's just weird that way because that my, my, my focus was incredibly narrow when I started into comics 
And then, you know, you look at my collection today, it's all over the friggin' place. You know, like, how does, like, you know, Marvel's Frankenstein monster relate to Superman? How did I get there from Superman? But I did, you know, and, th- and that sort of thing. So it- it's fun. You know, it- it's, it's been a wild ride, but I've, I've really enjoyed it. So I don't know. I hope that answers your question, Kirk. Uh, let's see. Next one he's got here, he says, how about recapping how each of you got into podcasting? Many of us listeners were not there for the first show, uh, first show, or for the first Paul show. We might be interested in a brief recap. Um, I'm going to take probably the most obvious answer and just say it's all out there. You know, it's all out there in the back episodes and everything. Um, you know, the whole history uh, of the show. But you know, for a brief recap, uh, for me personally, you know, Two True Freaks, the the whole thing was. Uh, Uh, At the time that I discovered podcasting, I was working a job that was working overnights um, from about 10 at night till about 830 in the morning and quickly ran out of music to listen to and quickly got bored with audiobooks and was just looking for something more engaging. I I worked a job where I worked completely alone and uh I could just listen to whatever I wanted to all night long. So that's where I discovered podcasts. And after a few months of listening to podcasts, I just suddenly one day got to thinking, I think I'd like to do this. This sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Um, Called up my buddy, Chris Honeywell and talked him into it. And there you go. That's how I got into podcasting. As far as I go, you know, it started off similar. I was listening to podcasts. I just enjoyed it. Uh, my first shot at it was on uh, the Two Guys Talking Network when uh, I became friendly with Mike Wilkerson, who did a show on did a, did a show about the show Twenty Four. He'd kind of do a recap show after every episode, and he and I got to talking. We found out we were both Star Trek fans. The Star Trek reboot had not yet come out, but he said when it does come out, we're going to do a review on the show. Would you like to be on? And that was my first podcast. Then I. Uh, did two shows with Bob Breitol of the Back Issue Spotlight because I had suggested some books for them to do. And he said, if you want to do these, why don't you come on with me and do them? And by the time I did that, Scott and I had become friendly and I started kind of pestering him a little bit. Hey, you know, can I be on the show? Can I, can I be on the show? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Let me be on the show. <laughs> Next thing you know, I got him in a moment of weakness and he let me on. <laughs> I haven't gone away since. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Well, somewhere in the back Black Mountain Hills of Dakota lived a young boy named the Rocket Raccoon. And one day, this woman ran off with another guy. He hit young Rocket in the eye, eye. He said he didn't like that. He said, I'm going to get that boy. Oh, wait. No, that's not my origin story. <laughs> oh, I just started to listen to your guys, uh, to um, Comic Geek Speak, and from there to um, uh, Two True Freaks, and... Started to talk to you guys in the forum, sent sent little, uh, what was I doing? It was on Star Trek Monthly Monday. I was doing the long-distance dedications, and I was doing... Um, what was your handle on the forum back in the day? Who was it Formosan? Was that what it was? Because I talked to you guys in the forums. I don't, I don't remember, remember what my handle was in the forums. It's been so long. I can't believe and, I forgot. And that was through... through in my, it's, it's usually yeah. what I use anyway. I use, I use a... a, a a variation of the word Formosan or Nasan Mosin, which is a mishmash of things in my name and a misunderstood song lyric from a Roger Waters song. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, because I want a unique name, and every time you go, hey, I'm uh, I'm uh, W. Robinson one six five nine two four six seven eight nine one. I'm like, F that. I want to be Formosan. There's no Formosan out there. It's me, damn it. I'm not a number. I'm a free man. Wait, no, that's... that's I'm uh, not an animal. Exactly. So, uh, but... And then actually, um, you guys invited me uh, on to Ben's hey, one whoa, night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, don't count me in that. <laughs> <laughs> Scott invited me on Ben's one night. and If uh, I remember the story properly, I think it was a proper shanghai I, I think yes, it was yeah, really yes, it was. just a matter yeah. of going, hey, stupid, get in the car. I, I really what? think that's how it happened. And I did the sound effect. And I yeah, was on exactly. The we put the bag over the head and conked you on the head and threw you in the trunk, and that was it. You were here. Bonk, bonk on the head. Home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a brief recap. How yeah, about the I know, to be, and I, I think I've told you this, Bill, uh, because when you first came on, even though I acted it as if I had been, you know, totally entrenched, I was still fairly new to the show. I think yeah, I had, you, you came know, on like episode 83, 83. I came on in like 95 or. Yeah, so I didn't have that many episodes like that. under my belt. And when you came on, you the first episode you came on, you know, Scott said to me, oh, my friend Bill uh, is available. Do you mind if I invite him on the show? And I was like, yeah, like I'm going to say I'm, I mind. No. I'm here for, for, you know, two months. And uh, you came on and you did that Iron Man issue. And if I remember right, you you know you actually you threw a couple of jokes in. You were funny. You you did a decent synopsis, and I was thinking they're going to get rid of me and keep this guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Keep your shit up. It could happen. Whoa, <laughs> you're a slacker, slacker, Carl. <laughs> Just like your old man. How about the first comic book that blew your mind, like the ending to X Men one thirty seven, or perhaps DD one seventy eight or one eighty one, or was there another one like FF Annual number two, where Doctor Doom meets Ramatut and they discuss the grandfather principle? See, if that's the question, if the question is the first comic that blew your mind, as opposed to the comic that blew your mind the most, the first one I think I can answer. The second one I'm not sure. I'd have to give that a lot of thought. But the first comic that blew my mind, and as I've said so many times, I started collecting Spider-Man 131 was the first issue that I collected. Uh, Then I started to go back and I was going after Spider-Man issues. And the first time I read Spider-Man 121, my mind was blown. Just the whole death of Gwen Stacy thing really just, even though I knew it happened because they made reference to it in the issues after it. But to actually read it, my, it, it really did. That was the first one that really just seemed so weighty. And you got to remember, I was about 12 years old at the time. So mm. that made it all the more, uh, you know, just impactful. Right. That's it. So you, you say that as if you're waiting for more story. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's the whole story. This, this, this particular question um, really has stumped me because I, I really don't know how to answer that question. I really can't. I can't think of what the first one was that would have really like floored me, you know, and, and I'm sure that whatever it was isn't, you know, cause what he cited here as examples are kind of like seminal favorites, you know, where some big moment happened in comic book history or whatever. And I'm sure that for me, whatever that first mind blowing comic read was probably wasn't one of those moments. It was probably something just, you know, where I discovered some, facet of the existing universe of of marvel or dc or whatever probably dc it was just like whoa you know really blew me i you know just to answer the question i'm i'm probably gonna say the um and i'm not sure where i would have read it first but the the origin the the classic 
uh, late Silver Age Superman origin story that you can find in the amazing world of Superman, that big, oversized, like treasury-sized Superman book. I don't know if that's the first place it was ever printed. If you go back and listen to my Superman show, that was one of the very first, maybe the very first episode that I did talking about this origin story. And I think in that episode, I tracked down where it first appeared. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, that that classic, again, you know, late Silver Age origin of uh, of Superman really, I mean, that was very impactful to me as a kid. So I'm going to say probably that one. I, I just, I, I off the top of my head, I can't really think of anything... Um, else that was really like wow you know big stuff to me uh, before that one what about you bill um i want to say it's it's not i i can't really pin down like the first like i don't remember the first one um but i would say one of the ones that was really that really was is um the korvac saga that we've been covering on avengers spotlight and 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 how one, how long that story was. And when I finally got all the pieces of it and, and just rereading all of it, it was just so, uh, you know, you, you believe uh, up to a point that the Avengers are, are oh, my God, they're going to die. Oh, my God. You know, what's going to happen? You know, and like we discussed, it was a, maybe a little bit of a letdown, but it was still the 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 build up to it was was, you know, just so, so deep. And of course, the Celestial Madonna. I mean, oh, my God, that was. <laughs> What's the goofiest swag that you've ever received, either at a con or from a podcast listener? Uh, I will answer this one because at first I thought this one was going to stump me, and then it immediately hit me what it was. I don't know if you guys remember this, but Andy Leyland sent me, because he knows I'm a huge Marvel Star Wars fan, he sent me a Marvel, he sent me the first Marvel Star Wars t-shirt that I had ever seen. And now they're fairly common. You see them quite often. But at this time, mm-hmm. that was a real rarity. I, I just had never seen a Marvel Star Wars t-shirt before. So I was very pleased to get this. However, it was a hot pink women's small. <laughs> so obviously nice. I was I could never wear it, would never wear it, has never been worn. It's still hanging in my closet. Sounds but, like the shirt uh, that Chris Tyler got you. You know, mm-hmm. it's funny because Logan suggested that too, but uh no. No, we're the, the less said about that the better. <laughs> Xnay on Urchay. Um I think there was another one that, that popped into my mind. Um not to get too maudlin, but you know, the question is what's the goofiest swag you ever received? Well, at the time, I thought this one was pretty goofy. I, I remember I received um, some stuff from from Sean Engel. And I forget what else was in the package. But I remember one of the items was a trade paperback volume of The Walking Dead. But it's in another language. I want to say Italian. Because hmm. he had come back from a trip. And I want to say he went to Italy. I, um, I think. Yeah, because his, his, his picture used to have him... Yeah, that's right. That's in, right. In, yeah, in Rome, and so he'd come back from Italy, and he brought everybody swag, and this was my particular piece of swag. And at the time, you know, while I was grateful, it was a very nice gesture and all that. I remember thinking, "What the hell am I going to do with this?" <laughs> it's The Walking Dead, which at the time I was really into The Walking Dead, but it's in freaking Italian. I can't read Italian. What, what am I going to do with this? Teach yourself and, Italian, and, dummy. And I, I said thanks, and I threw it in a drawer. And then when I sold off my Walking Dead collection a few years ago, 
um, I had fully intended to put that book in the lot just just to get rid of it, you know, just to, you know, to include it in the lot. And that was my intention. And then for some reason, I, I completely forgot to do that. And I was cleaning up in here not long ago and just rearranging things and going through drawers and whatnot. And I came across that trade paperback. And what at the time had seemed like just a silly little one-off, like, you know, here you go, wink, nod, now has great sentimental value to me. So there you go. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten anything that I would consider to be, you know, off the wall. Uh, I've got so, two things. so far, everything I've gotten, I've really appreciated and it's kind of had its place. So, you know, nothing, nothing too goofy yet, but I'm, you know, I'm open for it. <laughs> well, not, well, not to, to uh, I'll just say unexpected instead of goofy. And that's uh, what I got when went up to your house, Paul, that uh, Dave Pascarella gave me. And that's the, the lead figure of Admiral Bull Halsey standing at a railing. I, yeah, you know, that's just got me thinking. And again, goofy would absolutely not be the word, but the most peculiar. Yes, yes. Uh, and then would also... be when, when Chris Tyler gave me the uh, DS9 Bible. Just something I never would have thought of or heard of or anything. Right. And that, you know, it was really cool. It's really appreciated. Well, and also uh, this and, and the fact that uh, Kirk, actually the person who asked this question, gave me a copy of The Godfather. Because that's not something I'm going to go buy for myself. Right. So, so The yeah. day that I was leaving Georgia to move to Florida um, in the hopes of, you know, pursuing my dreams and all these, that sort of thing, I met up with our buddy Mike Bailey. And as we were parting ways, Mike gave me a big old box of swag and there was some really great stuff in there. And, and one of the things I remember being in there was a copy of the DC Heroes Superman source book from the old DC superheroes role playing game back in the 80s. And this particular book, you know, in addition to just being a wealth of information about Superman, has a an original John Byrne cover on it. And, you know, I, you know me, I'm a sucker for John Byrne Superman. I'm a sucker for John Byrne anyway, but John Byrne Superman, I'm totally there for that. And I didn't have that in my collection. So that was really cool. But so I remember that being in there amongst some other really cool, other cool stuff. But one of the things that was in there was an, an NFL Super Pro number one. There you go. That Mike and I had been passing back and forth to each other for quite some time as a gag gift. So, yeah, that that's that's one of those goofy pieces of swag. I eventually took it to a convention and got it signed by Jose Delbo, the artist that drew the interior. All right, let's see. Moving on here. That's everything from Kirk. Thank you, Kirk. That was awesome. You got some really good uh, good talk out of those. All right, moving along here, we have Christopher J. Warden, and he asks, what are you guys, Scott, Bill, and Paul, reading for the pure enjoyment of it? Well, I w as far as that question goes, I would say I am so true to the uh, mission statement of this show because <laughs> most of what I've been reading for enjoyment the last couple of months has been you know, books from the 70s, books from the 80s, you know, just doing doing some, you know, long runs of books from the uh, from the, the DVD collections. So just, you know, reliving those eras because that's, you know, as, as the irredeemable, irredeemable shag says, you got to, you know, what is it? You got to find your joy. And yep. that's my joy. That's those are the books that, that pulled me into reading comics in the first place and those are the books that I enjoy the most. So for the most part, that's what I've been reading. 
Bill? I believe Bill stepped away for a moment. Oh, okay. Um, for me, I, see, I'm not sure, Chris, are you going for comics or just like reading, just like anything? Um, comics, I'm still plugging away at that early Marvel stuff. Um, I'm not, I wish I could tell you exactly where I am right now, and I, I can't, I couldn't quote you numbers, but essentially, I'm at the point where we have finally ousted the thing in Human Torch from Strange Tales, and Nick Fury has just joined as the co feature with Doctor Strange. And while I have not read it yet, I think I'm at the first issue of. Um, oh God, help me! What's the one with uh, that had Ant Tales to Astonish? Yeah, the the first issue of Tales to Astonish without Ant Man, but with featuring Namor as the co-feature with the Hulk. And of course, I'm also you know doing it you know uh, I'm doing it month by month you know as they were published. I'm also reading you know pretty much everything that was on the stands: X Men, um, Amazing Spider Man, FF, all those. Uh, but just, you know, in the actual publishing order. And uh, it's been slow going, but it's been a lot of fun. But I've been on kind of a break with that because um, I've I've gone back to reading book books lately. And I've got, oh, God, I've got like five or six books all in the, you know, all going at the same time right now. But based on uh, recent events and recent uh, vacation trips that I took both to Disneyland and up to visit Paul in New York, you know, out on Long Island. I've been reading a lot of books about uh, the 64 World's Fair and Disneyland in the early days. And right now, one of the most exciting things I'm reading, and I say reading in air quotes because it's actually a, a an audio book that I've been listening to on my drives to and from work because I, I got about an hour drive both ways. So I get a lot of listening time in. Um, I've put my podcasts, uh, you know, on hiatus, right. You know, listen the podcasts I listen to are kind of on hiatus. Um, uh, and I've been listening to, um, the power broker by Robert Caro, which is more or less, it's a, it's a biography of Robert Moses, the guy who was like directly responsible for the 64 world's fair, but it's not just about the fair. It's about his whole life. And, I'd heard different things about him over the years, mostly from listening to things like the Bowery Boys and, and different things that he was largely responsible for the way New York City looks today. But not, you know, having heard that statement, but not really understanding the full meaning of that statement. And as I'm listening to this book, this man's life is amazing. I mean, he was absolutely amazing because it's really true. The, the New York city and particularly the long island that exists today exists through this man's sheer force of will and determination to make it the way it is today so in that sense it's fascinating to me because he's very walt disney like in in that aspect of being able to shape something by the force of his personality but He's kind of like Walt Disney if Walt Disney was a complete and utter bastard about it. But it's it's still fascinating. And, you know, I'm, I'm I don't know, maybe a third of the way into it. This is like a mammoth book, um, like thousands of pages, which is one of the reasons I'm glad to listen to it as opposed to read it, because I'd probably never find the time to actually finish it if I was reading it. Um, but that that's kind of the latest thing I'm most into all my other books. I kind of, you know, pick at them here and there because I read you know, several books at a time uh, who's you know, it, simultaneously who's it narrated by 
Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, it, it just kind of the book just kind of starts and it, it didn't say. So I'm hoping that when it concludes, it will say, you know, this has been, you know, Joe Schmo or whatever, you know, reading for you or whatever. But I, I don't know who's actually narrating it. But just a- absolutely fascinating. Really good stuff. For what it's worth, I'm planning on reading that one as well. Yeah, I will make sure you get to do so. Yeah, that's a little bit. More. What about you, uh, Bill? What are you reading right now? Just for the pure enjoyment of it. Well, I'm not really reading any comics per se, but uh, like you, I'm I'm reading books. I'm not reading. Uh, I'm not listening to books um, in the car, although as much driving as I do, I could. But I the two books I have been reading. One for quite some time is the most recent Game of Thrones book. I'm mm-hmm. I'm still stalled in that, for like in the same spot for like the past now, seven do months. Do you read it on the throne? Well, I do read a lot of books on the throne. <laughs> But then my feet go numb, and I, you know, <laughs> and I have to get up. But the other book I've been reading, which Paul knows this, I've been reading it um, to pass on to him and Andy at some point, is the, um, uh, I believe it's called A Stitch in Time. It's the Garrick, um, the character of Garrick oh, from Deep Space it? Nine. Well, I, I own it. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I have I, keeping an eye, because Paul asked me about this. Yeah, and I have, I, I've been looking for one so that Bill doesn't have to send me his. I gotcha. Okay. I have not found it. I'm still keeping an eye out. The Power yeah, Broker, sure. by the way, is narrated by Robertson Dean. Hmm. I'm not okay. familiar with him offhand. Yeah, that name doesn't ring a bell. He's very good, though. Because um, it's funny because, like I say, it's it's mammoth. And it's been going right along. And and it's... The the funny thing about it is I'm wondering if any... I, I'm very, I'll be very curious when you start listening to it, Paul, whether you'll find it really fascinating or whether you'll find it kind of a snooze. Because it is very academic. But I'm fascinated by the things it gets really in depth with. But anyway, I'm listening away to this thing, and I've been listening to it, you know, for for weeks now. And as I say, it was rather academic in the way that it's telling the story and everything. And then all of a sudden, in in the past couple of chapters, it suddenly like almost like switched its style from telling you, okay, then this happened, and and there were these events, and blah 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 blah. And now it's actually almost almost in like a first person like giving you conversations and so out of the blue i'm I'm listening to this one part and it says and then uh moses told him well you can take that and stick it up your ass and just the way he said it i'm driving along in the car and just start rolling because of the delivery of and it was so unexpected because it you know up to that point the book had had none of that and then all of a sudden out of the blue there's that and then ever since there's been that then it's really gone in depth with conversations uh, that he had that were, you know, quite profanity laced. And it's it was just such a turn in the narrative that uh, it's, it's it's really been entertaining. I, I've been getting the biggest kick out of it. Whenever the guy does those particular passages, you can tell he's really having a riot reading them. Everybody I know that's read the book, and I do know several people who have, and they rave about it, so... I'm looking forward to getting to it. It's fascinating. I'm sorry, Bill. I didn't mean to cut you off, buddy. Oh no, no, no. I've, I've, I've been reading the uh, just basically those are the only two books I've really been reading uh, new lately. Um, the Garrick one, which if anybody comes across that, it's uh, going for a pretty penny on eBay. It's like you know what about we saw for between thirty to fifty dollars, depending on where you look. Yeah. Whereas you know a. You know, a Deep Space Nine novel, you know, in paperback. Like a dollar. You should be able to find it, you know, no maximum five. Yeah. 
So yeah. that one is, you know, particularly hard to come by. Anyway, uh, next question. This yeah. next one's weird because it doesn't really seem to be a question. This is from Kyle Benning, and he says, My favorite episodes to record and the episodes that seem to get the most feedback are the ones where I talk about hunting back issues, finding comics in random unexpected places, and just broad overview discussions of what, uh, of what stuff I've been purely reading for fun. So, Scott, you've been reading through classic Marvel cosmic stuff, right? Uh, let me read that again. Scott, you've been reading through classic Marvel cosmic stuff, right? Uh, about the highlights of your recent reads. I guess he's asking me what are the highlights of what I've been reading recently. Um, before I get to that, though, he, he does continue. He says, other topics that seem well-received are when I talk about a unique experience at a con and meeting a creator that tells a fun story or something memorable about the process. Um well, you're, you're kind of right, Kyle. I am reading classic Marvel stuff. You said classic Marvel cosmic stuff. Um, no, I've just been reading Marvel right from the beginning, right from FF number one. Um, and I mean, you know, the, the, the highlights are, you know, pretty much what you would expect. Uh, one of the, the personal highlights for me was I've long wondered, when did the Hulk get stupid? And I it was wish over I time. Yeah, it was over time, but I, I wish I had made a very specific notation of it, but I, 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 I did not. However, I did kind of narrow it to an issue where suddenly his third person speak went from being kind of Joe fix it to being just dumb. And it, it actually was while it was a gradual progression it, I think you can narrow it to this one particular issue. I would have to go back and find the issue again. Um, but it, it, it wasn't as long a process as I thought it was going to be in, in finding you know where that, that line, so to speak, really was. Um, but there was something here you had. Uh, oh, yeah, finding uh, comics in random, unexpected places. God, that could be a whole episode because I've had a lot of uh, just – dumb luck over the years you know i've told my story about finding my copy of new fun six so many times um but one of the ones that always stands out in my memory was when i first got obsessed with collecting jonah hex i don't know what in the world possessed me but i remember stopping into this like little set way back off the road like little creepy um what do you call it like a like a like a you know one of those little treasure hut type of things that you see along the road like when you're out you know driving around rurally you know you'll see something that's run by some old lady just selling like you know antiques and knickknacks and just you know just stuff and i don't know what in the world possessed me i'd driven by the thing a thousand times but one day i just decided to stop and i and i stopped there and i was in and i was looking and sure enough she had a little stack of comics and I'm going through and it's the usual, you know, just junk that she wanted top dollar for. But about midway down the pile, she had a very early issue of Weird Western Tales. And I snapped it up and I think I paid, I don't know, maybe three bucks for it. And if I hadn't gotten it there, I don't know if I'd ever own it because I've never seen that issue again anywhere. Now, granted, I haven't been looking for it either. But all the other issues of Weird Western, I, I have seen again at some other time, you know, in a, in a back issue bin or, you know, 50 cent box or whatever. But this particular one, I just I had never seen it before and I've never seen it since. So I don't know, you just you never know. And, it, and it's just weird that 
you know, the only thing she had in that pile that was of the least bit of interest to me was that issue at the very same time that I had just decided to start collecting Jonah Hex. So just, you know, the weirdest dumb luck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, you guys? that's great. It's funny, for all the years I've been collecting, I don't think I've ever found, you know, unex an unexpected place where, where there was a little treasure trove like that. You know, the, the most I could say as far as unexpected is, for me, unexpected would be where somebody, uh, you know, somebody unexpectedly said, hey, I got these for you and gave me books. But but as far as like finding, a, you know, an antique store that was unexpected that had books in it, I've never had such luck. luck. Were you, what were you looking though? Oh, I've, I, I've always, you know, kept my eyes open when I've passed places like that and oh, okay. often tried to stop and look in them, but I just, you know, I haven't had any real luck with them. Okay. I was just curious because, you know, again, you know, I, I think it being a symptom of, you know, growing up when we did and, and especially for me and Chris, where we did, you know, that there were no comic shops and, and that sort of thing. And, you know, when we were younger, not really doing mail order and, you know, there was no internet, all that sort of thing. It became about the hunt. You know, you would actually have to hunt for comics. So we would hunt at like, uh, you know, like um, Salvation Army and, of course, you know, garage sales and rummage sales and, and things like that. Uh, antique stores was a big one. You know, we were always haunting antique stores uh, looking for comic books. So, yeah, it was it was really about the hunt. And, you know, every once in a while you'd get, you know, you'd get lucky and you'd find something cool. Um I want to let Bill answer this question, but then I, I thought of something that's not one of our questions, so the listeners will have to forgive me, but I think this will make a really good question, but I want to let Bill answer first. Um, other than, uh, like, back in, the, um, back in the 80s, before there was, like, real comic shops going in the just old bookstores that would just have just a box of comics thrown into them, and you just dig and dig and find. I found a lot of, a lot of the issues I have of Iron Man today just just by finding them that way just going through and you know just you just and there was probably other things in there that i probably tossed aside that wasn't aware of what they were because i was only looking for certain marvel books and and um um avengers iron man star wars star wars was the big one so you know those those were the three things that i was looking for um and found a lot of like i said a lot of my older stuff there but uh but yeah i never really just stumbled across something and was like oh my god you know what is this doing here? <laughs> maybe my well, maybe my Avengers number one, but it was in a comic store and it was two hundred dollars, and I bought it. And that was whew, God, I don't know, before my daughter, maybe right when my daughter was like eighteen years ago. So yeah, maybe that one. It's like I must have it. <laughs> so this got me to think of this, you know, on this subject of of random unexpected finds and and really hunting for comics and everything got me to thinking about the time that, you know, basically the one that got away. So I'm, I'm curious, do you guys have a really good, like the, the one that got away story? Like, like you had the opportunity to get this book and something effed it up. And, uh, and I'll, I'll lead off with this because this is what got me thinking about this. So I remember my mother, my mother looking back at it while she didn't actively encourage my comic book collecting and really nothing geeky that I was into at the same rate. She actually was very accommodating. Like, like if I saw an ad in the paper, you know, that just said old books and a few comic books or something like that, like at a yard sale or something, she'd take me, 
And I remember her taking me one time and we drove, I mean, to the freaking boonies for this thing. And I want to say it was in Ogdensburg. If, if anybody knows upstate New York geography, you know, Watertown to Ogdensburg. Yeah, Ogdensburg? So anyway, we, we drive out to this place. And like I said, the middle of nowhere and these friggin' hillbillies. And this woman comes out and she's got a big old box of comics. I don't remember what I bought, but I remember to this very day what I didn't buy. So I remember seeing this comic and recognizing it, but not realizing what it really was. And it was um, it was a, 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 the cover on it was a picture of Green Lantern hovering over a coastal city and attempting to stop a runaway missile that was yellow in color with his power ring. And I remember seeing this and, and thinking, that's pretty neat. I know I've seen that somewhere before, but I, I don't really like Green, uh, Hal Jordan. So I passed on it. And I, I'm sure that I could have got this for, you know, no more than like 50 cents or whatever the woman was asking for, you know, for the issues. But she, she I wasn't interested in the whole box. I'm not sure if she even was selling the whole box. I, I think I bought a couple key issues out of there and, and, that, and that was that. And I let this go. Well, of course, that issue was showcase number 22, first appearance of Hal Jordan as Green Lantern. Didn't realize it until quite some time later to a point where I, I could not go back and, and get it from her. I, I mean, it was probably months, maybe even years later that I realized this. But to this day, that that's probably my biggest fish story when it comes to comics of the one that got away. Because, damn, I could have owned that friggin comic and and just didn't it just didn't connect you know what i mean i i knew i'd seen it before but that's that's as much of a connection as it made with me so that was a time when my prejudice worked against me of not really caring for hal jordan because i could have owned that book anyone anyone still here <laughs> so sad <laughs> what about you you got a fish story when it comes to comics mm, no <laughs> oh sorry yeah, the ones that i couldn't get i couldn't afford <laughs> yeah, that's that's really you know. To, it, it's been it's, da. It da, da, hasn't da, da. been a lack of ability to find books for the most part. It's been a lack of ability to find books at a price I can afford. Right. Yeah. You know. Well, you th know, that's one thing about living. You know, in the New York area, there's you know you can find most books. Right. But that doesn't mean that they're affordable. Yeah. Well, you know, Scott, there was that one at Conjure that that one issue of. Uh, Avengers number four with um, Cap with the buck teeth, like somebody drew on the cover. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. But that was um, going for three hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, that's crazy. That was insane. I'm like, well, like in half the bottom, like the bottom quarter of the cover was missing. Had somebody's name scrawled on it. Cap had buck teeth, and um, or like he was missing teeth, and it was three hundred and fifty. I'm like, I, I just can't, I can't. I can't spend that on something that's in that bad of a shape. Just on the outside, I just I just couldn't do it. No way. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've I've got it. I mean, technically, I have all the Avengers books because I have the first omnibus. So I have the two, three, and four, and sixteen, the ones I'm missing. So I really don't need to buy them. It's just that you know, like we said earlier, there's that thing. You want to yep. complete it. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's like the, you know, the whole nags. You know, it really. Yeah. Does. It's like I could just fill the. Like I don't even care about the other. You know, if I find the rest of them on, on the cheap for the later series that have been coming out and like the newer stuff, I'll buy them on the cheap. But it's like I just want to fill volume one. I want to complete volume one, and I'm four books shy of volume one, and it just kills me. But no, I'm I'm not worried about that. You know, three hundred fifty dollar Avengers four that got away. <laughs> Not in that condition. So next one up is Alan Leach Jr. And he, for me, this one, again, it's a bit of a poser. He says, uh, the art of the hunt. What issues, series, etc. did you have the most fun hunting down? Now, we kind of sort of tackled this this recently in an episode. Um, I'm not sure if that was an episode that you were on, Bill, or not. I can't remember, but I remember. I don't know. I don't think so. I think I think Paul and I were talking about this. Um I think we were reading email or something. I well, remember. I know the one that pissed oh. me off the most was trying to complete the run of Cable. There was one oh, was issue. Like... Uh, yeah, there was just one issue that I could not. It was either, it was like in the it was seventy or eighty. It was either in the it was something in the seventies or the eighties. You know, with not the year obviously, but the issue numbering. And I just everywhere I'd go, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it. And eventually, I found it. And everywhere I'd go, I'm like, what is so special about this issue? And there was there was nothing, nothing special about that issue. I just couldn't find it. No matter I mean, and I'm talking years it took me to find that. Just just searching and searching and, you know, driving home from work and and just stopping at stores randomly. Just and finally, I just finally found it and was like, I it's mine. It's mine. It's now what do I do? <laughs> It's probably going to sound like like kind of a lame answer, but I'm going to say probably Marvel Star Wars only because, for one thing, the series was still running at the time that I was hunting back issues, and I wasn't missing that many issues. It was just, you know, it, it was one of those things where I had missed a few issues when they were actually on the stands. So when I discovered my first comic shop, and this was in Syracuse, which, you know, for me as a kid was about an hour, hour and a half trip. So whenever I, in the summer times, um, I would often go and spend like a week or two with my cousin Michelle, and she lived in Fulton, which was just outside of Syracuse. And then we would go into the city for the day when her mom would go to work. And it just seems so weird to me now. I mean, I would never let my kids do something like that. But that, this is what we did, you know, you know, like 12, 13 years old. And we're spending the whole day in the city. Anyway, um, we used to go to a place called uh, Twilight Book and Game, which sadly I don't think exists anymore. Mm. And that really was my first experience with hunting. How do I want to put it? It was like hunting for back issues for something I knew I had a chance of actually completing. Because, again, you know, when I first started, my, my two things were, were Star Wars and Superman. Now, Superman, I knew there wasn't a chance in hell I was ever going to get a complete collection of Superman. But Star Wars, I knew I could get. So, you know, I, I started going back and, and getting those Star Wars issues. And that, that was fun, um, finding issues that I more or less kind of knew the story of because I may, you know, I probably had like the issue before and I had the issue after, but I just didn't have the actual issue. So now I could actually read the story and did it, did it play out the way that I thought it would in my mind? And that sort of, you know, that, that sort of game, you know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. but that was fun. That to this day, that probably was the most fun I ever had because everything else, 
has been more of just, you know, an, an exercise, you know, in, in levels of frustration one way or the other. It's like, ah, oh, damn, I got this hole. I got to fill it and hoping it falls in your lap or, or, you know, whatever, or, or the ones that just, they, they've drug on so long. You almost don't give a shit anymore because to this day, I lack one issue, one goddamn issue of, um, suicide squad, the original suicide squad. It's the last one, issue 66. I can't find that goddamn issue anywhere at, at a price I'm willing to pay for it. Because mm. I've gotten every other issue of that series. I either bought it brand new off the rack or I've paid no more than 50 cents for it. So I refuse to pay more than 50 cents for the last issue. That's probably never going to happen. But it's just, you know, I, I'm also subscribing to the Mike Bailey theory that the moment I go and shell out five, six, ten bucks, whatever... So just to have the damn thing, I'll end up finding it in a 50 cents box. So I'm I'm purposely not buying that thing until right. I find it on the cheap, you know. So, yeah, I, I spend more time frustrated hunting comics than I do having fun hunting comics, to be honest with you. Well, now now I, I just just recently I um, I'd say it was about oh, it was a few months ago. I um, had started the re to to I've to segregate my comics because I'm all about segregation. Oh, you sorry. racist son of a bitch. <laughs> I go so I hope far you're as proud of yourself, Bill. You're the problem with America today. <laughs> I got the DCs in one spot and the Marvels in the other and all the independents are jammed together just like they should be. Uh, <laughs> off on an island somewhere. <laughs> but my but my Marvel Star Wars, I even segregate my Marvel Star Wars from my Star Wars. It's like, okay, these this is the this is the dark horse Star Wars. You're over here. Marvel Star Wars. Don't, don't even look at the Marvel Star Wars. Oh, that's so wrong, dude. <laughs> you dark horses, get over there. <laughs> oh, don't talk back. Letters. Send all hate mail to Dr. Bill Caro. <laughs> but somehow, and I blame you for this. That would be Scott, not me. Yes. Now I can just see the Marvel Star Wars issues talking to each other about the dark horse issues and going, did you see what moved in next door? <laughs> I didn't say that. You did. I think it was. It's like that Monty Python sketch going, yes, black as the ace of spades. They were. It was the dot from the guy's face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> God. I have to give it, give it context, please. Give it yes, context. yes, that's true. Yes. It was, was a, that... the dot, the, oh, a mole. Mole. A mole. <laughs> it, it jumped off the guy's face going... and started a family. I was going. <laughs> yes, that's right. When it moved down this, when it was walking down the street. Why don't we have a Monty Python podcast? Why why has that not happened on Two True Freaks? I blame you. And now for something completely different. So, years it was. It, I, I think it happened back when you were covering Marvel Star Wars, and I I, I seem to be missing one issue because I was reading them as you were co covering them, and it and it appears that I'm missing one of the ones in the fifties, and I think it's the Princess Leia. Leia, excuse me, the Princess Leia story with the Stormtrooper. And I had all 107 oh, issues yeah. and all the annuals, and now I'm missing one Marvel Star Wars book. And I don't know if it's it's like it ran off with one of the Dark Horse ones and they're starting their own family <laughs> somewhere else in like it's the back corner of the funny. garage. It's funny you say that because the guy that wrote that issue, Randy Stradley, was the main guy behind Dark Horse Star mm. Wars. But I gotta double check and see exactly which issue it is, and maybe I'll put a call out to the listeners. Help so, Doctor Bill complete you're, you're, his collection again. You're talking the the stormtrooper from Alderaan. 
Yes, is I that, think that the that's the one I'm missing. I got to go back and double check, and I should have say that's eighty six. Maybe it is eighty. Six? I thought I thought it was a fifty. That's right, because it would have been closer towards the end of the run. Let's yeah, I see. That's what I, I got to double check to see which one it is I'm missing. But holy I think that's shit, eighty six, buddy. How's that yeah. for memory? Huh? See, I can remember something. Yeah. can't remember anything important, but I can remember so, yeah, that. Yeah, I'm missing one now. One! And I had that complete set for years. One. It's probably mixed in with some other box somewhere. Well, you know, I have two copies of that book. Unfortunately, uh, they're both signed by Bob McLeod, so I'm not giving you one. McLeod! Oh, sorry. <laughs> what about you, Paul? Do you have a good uh, Art of the you... Hunt story? Hey, uh, hey, hey. I'll trade you. What's that? I'll trade you something for it. Not Apollo Smile. Oh. It's signed by Apollo Smile herself. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll let you keep that monitor you're using right now. Oh, don't be like that. <laughs> We're going to have to sit here like a blind person using the computer. <laughs> Everything works. I just can't see anything. So we, we talked a couple of weeks ago, Scott. I think Bill was uh, working at the time. Mm-hmm. And it came up and I talked about how in the beginning my, my goal was to get all the spider-man issues right right and that was the most fun i ever had seeking out back issues because as i said it, it wasn't even a matter of finding them all that much it was a matter of finding them that i could afford i remember at the time and this you know kind of dates a little bit issues above issue number 100 with the exception of 121 and 122 were a buck each then when you got below that i think they were two dollars each and I do remember when I bought issue 25, which is the oldest issue I have, I think that was five bucks. So, you know, we're not talking huge dollars, but we're talking 1970s dollars. So <laughs> it was more than it is now. Uh, but that was the most fun I had was getting, you know, filling the holes in that run as well as I could. I, I you know, I never did complete it. And as I've looked back with a little bit more wisdom, I would have been much, much better off trying to get from issue one and working my way up instead of going the other way around. But that was definitely the most fun I ever had collecting a series. All right, next up here, we've got Gene Hendricks, and he wants to know your favorite second or third tier superheroes. And then... (laughs) As a, as a message underneath is, he's got one from Christopher J. Warden that says, or even your favorite more of the month. So here's the funny thing. I swear I'm not making this up. I was just telling Logan in the car today about more of the month from, that was from Wizard, right? Wizard yeah. Magazine? Yep. I was just explaining that to him today. And then we went on, uh, he had his phone with him. We were looking on the phone on the internet trying to find... I thought for sure there'd be a website somewhere that would lay these out, like all the more to the months that Wizard had had over the years. I couldn't find it. If there is one, please, somebody clue me in. But I couldn't find it on a quick Google search. So with apologies, Gene, I'm going to go with the second option. Favorite more to the month, um, two of them. And I can't choose between the two, so I'm going to give you both of them uh, because the articles about them were so damn funny. Uh, the one, uh, Angar the Screamer, was just hilarious to me because I'd completely forgotten that character. And I, and I did know who he was, but I just had forgotten. And then every once in a while, after that particular Mort of the Month, they would put him 
on the borders of some article or something doing his scream and saying something like, I suck. I remember seeing that one and just thinking <laughs> it was hysterical. Um, the other one that has always stuck with stuck with me was uh, a character called Blowhard, which was this giant fat guy that I think he appeared in Thor, I think. Um, but essentially his, his power was that he was a big windbag. But what the Mort of the Month article said that, that always stuck with me is that it was never determined was he blowing out his mouth or out his ass. And at the bottom of it, it just the last sentence said, blow hard. He certainly did. <laughs> I, just, I just thought that was hysterical. So, yeah, those those are my favorite, too. I used to love the Mort of the Month because... Uh, it was it was about fifty fifty between characters I'd remember go oh, God yes and go man I've never heard of this guy and I'm really glad I never did because he sucks. I would say the Mort of the Month for this show, you know, kind of kind of our uh, you know Unoffic- unofficial mascot. Yeah, would has to be Modok. Oh, I thought you were gonna say Goom. Oh, Goom, mm. Goom is Goom is not a excuse me Goom is not a Mort. Goom is cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just found a on Comic Vine. It's got a list of Mort of the Month. But are they the ones from Wizard, though? I'm not sure they've got. Because uh... I think I saw that one. You said it's Comic Vine? Yeah, look at some of the bizarre and audible characters of a super community, not to mention an embarrassing and uncouth along with fashion challenge as well. And they've got Adhesor, Angar the Streamer, Angleman, Apex, Aquarian. Big Wheel, Black Talent. It just goes on. I, th- um, I think if, if you're going for the outfit... I got to go with the early X-Men villain, the Vanisher. He basically looked like a big flower in his costume. Oh, yeah, but he was like black and green. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't know if these would be... Let me see. Do they have Blowhard on the list? Blowhard is not on the list, so this is not the one from Wizard. I, I've seen this list before, I think. It, it is good because they do have a lot of the same ones. But there are ones on here that I strongly disagree with, too. They have Rocket Raccoon and Ben Riley on this list. I'm like, what? Chris Tyler would be pissed to see Sleepwalker mm. on this list. Oh, so yeah. they, they, they have some that are truly Mort's, but then they have some that I'm like, I can't I can't get behind that. But yeah, no, they I got Nort on here. That's nah, not right. Yeah. The Vanisher? I don't see the Vanisher. Yeah, the Vanisher's not on the list. That doesn't mean he's not Bartox. on the list. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But oh yeah, Wild Dog, he definitely a more. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, I, I used to love that article. They got the Wizard. No, they had, see, there's uh, some here like the Calculator. They actually made him cool, didn't they? Yeah. Ooh, White Rabbit. She's hot. Oh my God, the Rainbow Raider. Yes, he was a more. The Rainbow Archer. I don't remember this guy. Who the hell is the Rainbow Archer? He was fabulous. An adversary of the Green Arrow. Of course he was. Wow, he was he was fabulous. <laughs> All right, let's see. We still got a number of questions to answer here. If we're are we still going or yeah, for a little while longer. All right. So this one will be quick and easy. Kirk Greenfield wants to know your feelings or comments regarding the new Ghostbusters movie. Uh, my comment it. is, uh, thou shalt not remake Ghostbusters, says so right in the Bible. Uh, my feeling is I didn't really think it was necessary because the first one was so good and the trailer did not look good. But I'm hearing a few reports that it's funny and that it's enjoyable and I may end up seeing it so, at some point. Um, I'm cheap. I can't afford to go to the movies right now, so I'm buying too many Infinity figures. I'll maybe I'll catch it at Redbox. So I, I don't know. I have I've heard I've heard more good things than bad. So we'll see. 
Cross, uh, David A. Pascarella wants to know crossover events that you detested. Infinity Final War. Crisis. Your Final Crisis and what was it? Infinity War? Infinity War. Yeah, by then it the, was just... The doppelganger guys? Yeah, that would, the yeah. last of the three. No, I, I think, think the Infinity Crusade, you're thinking. Crusade. Infinity War oh, was not God. as good as the Gauntlet, but it was not bad. No, yeah, it was the last one. Infinity Crusade, Crusade with her. I was over it by then. Yeah, I was like, enough. Yeah, that one was not good. That was yeah. just a run for the money there. Yeah. I will definitely uh, I will definitely agree with you. Final Crisis sucked hard. I mean, God almighty, was that awful. Yeah. Um, trying to, I want to throw an original of my own in there, and I'm trying to think of one that I just really hated. I mean, at, you know, it was one of those. Was that things when you that... were on dinner with, for geeks? Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh, what? comic book crossovers. So sorry. sorry. Oh, um, I mean, as they wore on when when the when the when the summer crossover became like officially a thing. When I think when you force them, that's when they're not good. Mm. And so there was just Marvel and DC every summer for a number of years. Yeah. Just they were, they were just horrible. Um. One that definitely, I don't know, detested is a pretty strong word, but one that I was supremely disappointed in was Millennium. I thought Millennium had such potential. And all that really did was just screw a bunch of creators and, and the work that they had going on. Um, John Byrne, God love him, he tried so hard to make it work uh, in what he was doing in Superman at the time. And it more or less did because he made it but it still just it, it really didn't and that's not his fault it's because of the what the event was um and and, and it's just it hosed so many characters and the one that uh i'll be honest with you i'm still pissed to this day was when they revealed uh laurel kent to be one of the Manhunters in Legion of Superheroes, which is a book that should have been a completely unaffected by Millennium. And they just, they completely shit on that character because of that stupid crossover. And yeah, I, I never forgave them for that. That was awful. Because she was a great character. And, and then they revealed her to be nothing but a stupid robot. It was just dumb. It was like, but you're telling me that in the 31st century, they can't tell a robot from a, a real person? They, their technology... It isn't there for that. It was just ridiculous. Skynet. <laughs> yeah. uh, Alan Middleton wants to know stories of treating your books badly or collecting disaster stories. Hmm. I had a cat that pissed on some comics I had. Oh, that would, that would <laughs> no pun intended. That would piss me off. I had to get. I had to. I completely trash them and throw them away. I, cat my, piss my, comics is not what you want to have. My. Oh, that'd be a great that... name for your company. Cat Piss Comics. <laughs> New Cat Piss Comics. My, my thing would be when I look back now at my collection and I think, oh, I used to have that one. I used to have that one. And I don't have them anymore. And I don't know why I don't have them anymore. <laughs> that's that's like my disaster now. When I, when I look uh, back and I just realize how much really good stuff I had that I don't have anymore that's the for all, some reason. That's the Alzheimer's. <laughs> that like... must be it. So you sold them, or or probably your parents sold them or threw them away, and you just think, I must have got rid of that. I must have sold or traded off everything, but, you know, like, most of my treasury editions were gone, and I've got, you know, re reacquired some of them, but that really depresses me a little bit, that, that those are gone. You know, at one point I had a beat-to-shit copy of X-Men number one. I don't have it anymore. I don't know why I don't have it anymore. 
So that kind of thing. How uh, I'll ask you this, Paul, as, as Mr. Producer, how, how blue are we willing to go in this particular episode? Go as blue as you want. I could always beep it or bleep it. <laughs> so stories of treating when I first read this from Alan, I'm like, you know, I'm I'm always very uh Hey, I don't want to hear I, comic I, comic book fisting stories, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean I always take care of my com- I, you know, when I first my first impression when reading this particular one was the only thing the most exciting thing I could think of is have you ever had this happen where where you you're going through a long box and you discover that one issue that somehow or other the other issues like sat on top of it and now like it's bent into an L shape at the oh, bottom. I hate that. So that's what I was thinking. Like that would be my most exciting story of this. But then I remember you remember the time you had sex on top of a comic. Um, you pretty much nailed it, dude. Chris oh. Honeywell had given you and Chris Honeywell had sex on top of a comic. Oh no, my no, god! Let me finish. That was a different story. Oh, okay. Now, Chris Honeywell had given me uh, a bunch of comics. Basically, when he when he was just done with comics at one point, he just gave me a stack of comics, and I can even remember what the issue was. It was a it was an old issue of uh, of Detective that was uh, reprinted for a I think it was an AMF model car kit or something. So it was you know it was a smaller repro size, and it was an issue of. Uh, I think it was an Ernie Chan cover of Batman fighting two Riddlers. Who? I tell you the issue number, but I, I could probably look it up anyway. Who drew this, it? I'm pretty sure it was Ernie Chan. Scott Gunner, you are, you are sex in my comic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wanted. <laughs> so there was a stack of comics. I don't want to see your ball sack going up and down anymore. <laughs> sitting next to my bed oh, in my room. <laughs> And I was entertaining a young lady, and um, it accidentally got spillage on it. And, uh, yeah, that, this is a story that Chris Honeywell has actually never heard of just how grateful I was for the comics that he gave. You tried to teabag Batman. <laughs> what wrong with you? <laughs> so you, you, oh, used, you used an old issue of Detective as a condom. <laughs> Basically, yes, that's pretty much what it is. Well, he was a private dick. As as, as kind of a wipe rag, yes. Oh, now I got to know what issue this was. All right, let's see. Detective Comics. have a surprise look on his face on the cover? What the? (laughs) Holy semen, Batman. Oh, oh. Let's see. I'm almost convinced this is an early uh, or an Ernie Chan cover, Ernie Chow Chan, whatever. It, it's definitely from the 70s. He not, he not Ernie Chow oh, Chowder. Okay. <laughs> Why am I not finding this? All right, maybe it's a. Oh, good lord. I just slowed the the show to a crawl. All right, maybe it was a Batman. It was either Batman or Detective. I thought I thought for sure it was a. Detective. It don't matter because now the pages stick together. <laughs> Thank God for the truncate silence. All right, we've been we've been doing this about two hours now. We don't have that many more. Did yeah, you want... we should probably move it along to try and make it a lightning round. What a chance! Say, move along home. All right, somebody read the next one while I'm hunting for this damn yeah, well, issue. Next one, Chris Tyler suggested Mad Libs. Obviously, we'd need Mad Libs to do that. Right. Uh, 
Dave name. Pascarella agrees with him. Russell Bragg suggested the name Backbinners. Trey, Hulk, Trey Hooks asked Guilty Geek Pleasures. Uh, see, the, the problem with, with Guilty books? Pleasures, and I think we've had this discussion before, the problem with that as a concept is... You have to feel guilty. Yeah, exactly. What, what I would say is more realistic is something that I like that other people <laughs> don't. Or, or, you know, I, I guess the way it is, I guess guilty pleasure means I know it's not good, but I like it anyway. Right. I think that's the definition of guilty pleasure. And it, it, it rides on the definition of what's good and what's not good. And it's, it's a little d- difficult to come up with. Uh, I, I'm, I have an easier time doing it with movies sometimes. As far as comics go. All right, let's see this picture. Hold on. Stop the show. <laughs> Batman 279. Yep, that's it. What's funny is Mike's Amazing Wolves say that it's ever been reprinted. And uh, yeah, it has. It was reprinted. I, I don't, I'm almost positive that I like burned the issue. Well, I'll just the say there's a very rare copy out there with your DNA all over it. Let me see if I kept it or not. I'll see if it's in my database, but I'm pretty sure that it, realizing that I would not want to actually touch the issue again, I'm pretty sure I got rid of it. So going into the guilty pleasures thing, the closest thing I can come up with is the fact that I have a great fondness for Frank Robbins' artwork, which most people think is crap. I would say that's my guilty pleasure. Mm. Mm. Well, this guilty pleasure would people would probably think I'm insane. Well, never mind. <laughs> Is that the fact that I, I have all these model model kits I've bought that I'd never put together. I think I'm going to have all this time someday to put them together. I mean, I'm looking Then at, you're going to break your glasses. Yeah, I'm going to break my glasses. I won't be able to do them. I mean, I've got a Imperial Star Destroyer I'm looking at, a Darth Vader ship. I've got the Reliant. I've got the Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I've got all kinds. I've got the Death Star over there. And they sit in the boxes, and they've been there for probably at least two decades. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, saw, you saw my Aurora models down in the basement, and I probably have about half a dozen more to put together that have been sitting in a closet for uh, at least 10 years. So I do have a similar situation, except I, I did find the time to put together some of them. At least I'm still not buying them, because my wife was like, why do you keep buying these and you never put them together? Shut up, woman. <laughs> Why did I marry you? Ernie Chan wouldn't yell at me like this. Should have married Ernie uh, Chan. Kurt Greenfield proposes the name Baxter's, like Baxter paper for us. Oh, I thought. Oh, I, I thought he was asking like our favorite Baxter books. Oh, okay, I, I see. Oh, I well, maybe, maybe he is. I, I couldn't I answer that. Mine, mine would be uh, Teen Titans when they switched to the Baxter, because that was like a weird thing when you had the two. The two books going, like the one, like the Baxter books jumped a year ahead. And you had to wait that whole year to figure out what the heck was going on. They did the same thing with Legion of Superheroes, too. I was just going to say Legion would be mine. Yeah, Yeah. I love Legion. Um, Jared, what Marvel and DC are doing or not doing right by us old farts? That question is by Jared Reitman. That's 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 an episode by itself. Jared, that's that's a that's a po- that's a new podcast series right there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the the Reader's Digest answer on that. I, from what I hear, and I haven't been reading much in the way of new books. From what I hear, Marvel seems to be really really shooting for the young audience now with things like Squirrel Girl and Devil Dinosaur and stuff like that. Which, while that doesn't serve us well, it does potentially serve the industry better because I think just. Having us old timers reading the books doesn't help the industry. 
uh, and DC doing Rebirth from everything I'm hearing, they're doing right by the readers with that. So that's that's the Reader's Digest answer as far as what I know. And I'm not reading enough of any new things to know, have a real, to weigh in on that anymore. So, uh, Arthur Ratnick, what the hell I'm is out, wrong Jerry. with us? From that- hmm? I said, Arthur Ratnick sends what the hell is wrong with us. I'm going to give the Reader's Digest answer on that too. Dementia. <laughs> Um, I will answer that as Arnold Schwarzenegger. What the hell is wrong with us? Come on. <laughs> Jason Sandberg. Best John Burns retcon. Worst John Byrne retcon. I'm ooh, going to ooh, say ooh. Superman. Yep. And Spider-Man. Hey, yeah. yeah. Bill? Well, um, 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 I like what he did with the Fantastic Four. As did I. So. But is that a retcon, though? Mm, well, yeah, that's true. Uh, I would say what he did with with um, FF was more of a reinvigoration as opposed to a retcon. True, true. I would agree with that. I like what he did with the Hulk too, but it was sure very short lived. That was right after Super. That's what he left to, or did he do the Hulk and then go to Superman? That's what he did, wasn't it? Yeah. Was that why he? Yeah. I'll agree with what you guys said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Best Burt Re- Best John Byrne retcon for Best Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah, it's always going to be uh, Superman. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Man of Steel. Worst? God, that's that's tough because... Because he did so many bad ones. <laughs> no, it's just... I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of his, so... Yeah. No, I, and, and I don't even hate Spider-Man Chapter 1, but I just don't think it was necessary, and it's just... It's just kind of what about the X Men: The Hidden Years? I I kind of like I kind of like that. I mean, it's it's it's, I I I never read the whole thing yet. I I actually I think I have it finally all collected. I just haven't sat down and read it, so I'm not quite sure. I don't I don't have a good opinion on that. This one, the one I'm going to go with, in all fairness, uh, full disclosure before I reveal it, I never read it, so that's why I'm choosing it as my worst one because purely on the fact of everything I heard about it made me have no interest in it, and that would be Doom Patrol. Now, I'm not heavily invested in Doom Patrol, but I like the Doom Patrol, and the simple fact that he retconned it to begin with was kind of annoying to me, but then everything, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but everything I heard was he retconned it to a point where not only didn't the old stuff matter, but then the retcon itself didn't really matter because it was some sort of nebulous continuity type of thing. So anyway, I, I'm, I'm going to pick that one as kind of a, an easy target just because I, from everything I heard, I, I just gave me no interest to read it at all. And that's hard for me with John Byrne because I likes me John Byrne. So yeah, he brought go. in a couple of new characters, which I tip my hat to him because, as we've talked about, there's so, so few new characters, but they all kind of fell flat. Right. Uh, it, it did, you know, it never took off. I, 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 I read it, I wanted to love it. I didn't. But it still at least had the positive aspect of trying to invigorate new, you know, trying to inject it with new life. Whereas I just kind of felt Spider-Man was just, let me retell it in a modern way. I mean, effectively, it was the same thing that they did with Ultimate Spider-Man, only I just didn't feel that the stories really clicked as far as the differences that he created. So I'll stick with Spider-Man and, you know, with with the statement that I really didn't hate it, I, I still thought it was okay. And I have, I think I have all of it. And it's, you know, it's in my collection. I'm not getting rid of it. Did you mention that that was Jason Sandberg on that one? Yes. Okay. The last actual question is by Jared Reitman. One character you would each erase from comics forever. Now, in, 
in what? No, Aunt Petunia was hot. Yeah, John. I was just trying to think of somebody obscure. No, see, and in this eraser, in erasing them from comics, would it change the comics? I would imagine it would. Hmm. So if like, it's a, would com- you want, if it's a character that had would you just want to like really like flashpoint things up, screw things up to see how things would change? Like, what if uh, what if Spider Man was erased from comics forever? What would that change in the Marvel universe? Comics you would know, suck then. Or, or Norman Osborn. I don't really have any character. See, the thing is, when there's books that I don't like, I just don't read them. Mm. There's nothing where I feel like, oh my god, this character's existence irks me. This is one of those questions where I'm going to think about this for weeks after and and kick (laughs) myself for all the answers I forgot or didn't think of at the time to give. But the two that maybe we should what's that? Well, maybe we should just table that for a future discussion. Well, we could always bring it up anytime you have any thoughts on it. Sure. Two that you have two in mind right now. Yeah. Two did occur to me right off the bat. Um, First one. Is because uh, what I was trying to go with is well, if I want them erased forever, that means I hate them. And I do, believe it or not, try to find redeeming qualities in all the characters. I, I try to figure out why the hell was this character invented in the first? What was the point of this? So why did the, the writer, you know, what was he trying to you know, tell me about this person or whatever? All right. So look, if you're going to if, whoa, 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 whoa. if you're gonna pick if you're going to pick the Celestial Madonna. No, <laughs> okay. um, but. So I, I really did try to go with characters. It's just like I don't find redeeming qualities for this character. So the the very first one that popped in my head was Mr. Mick says Pitlick. I hate that character. Um, I can't th- off the top of my head cannot think of a single story with him that I like. I, I just I just hate the character. So, yeah, if he never existed, I, I'm perfectly cool with that. Um, the other one is a complete cheat because he's not really a character. But let me explain. So we were talking before about collections that we had fun building over time. There was one that uh, occurred to me um, that I did have a lot of fun building. And a lot of it was because when people found out that I was trying to build a complete collection, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, people were just sending me truckloads of issues of this series to help me fill in the gap. And that was Savage Dragon. And I really liked Savage Dragon. I thought, man, this is a great book that you just, you never hear anybody talk about this book. And I thought it was a lot of fun. It was interesting. It had dynamic characters. And over time, I came to really like the art in the book as well. So I was really enjoying what, um, God, who is it? Gary Larson? Is that the guy's name that does Eric that? Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Thank you, Eric Larson. Um, and I was really enjoying what he did. And then... Right about the time that I'm filling in the very last holes in my collection. So I have a complete run and I'm sitting down and I'm reading them and I'm about halfway to the current issue. So at that time, the current issue was well over 100, I believe, or thereabouts. It was in the 100 range. And I'm about halfway through the read. Then he has a real world person, guest, not only guest star in the book, but he's right there on the cover and basically the savage dragon is giving an endorsement of this real world political figure and when that happened it just just completely pissed on my enthusiasm for that and i have not picked up an issue since and i really don't have any interest to because it just completely changed how i felt about the character the direction of the book and i hate to say it 
the creator. And I hate when shit like that happens. It's like, I don't need your politics. Just, just, you know, you do what you want to do in your private life, but you know, keep your comics, your comics. And, and it, you know what I mean? It was just one of those mm-hmm. things where I, I, I tried to be the better man and see past it and still just enjoy it for what it was. But it, it had just killed my forward momentum to where I just didn't, I didn't care to do it anymore. And that, that sucks. Cause that was such a good book. Maybe one day I'll be able to get over it and go back and, and, you know, get into it again and, and pick up where I left off and all that. But it just, at that particular time, it was just, you know, it was, it just put a wet blanket on the whole thing for me, unfortunately. What about you guys? There's gotta be at least one character that you're just like, I could just totally do without this character. Mm, not like I said, there's, there's no characters that I'm trying to think of like, it would have to be a supporting character or a villain, I'm thinking. Right, yeah. Because if it's a main character and I don't like it, I just won't read it. Right. So, you know, I, I guess the closest thing I can think of, and nothing really bothers me that much, but uh, I'm thinking in Spider-Man, when they started Brand New Day and they decided he wasn't going to be with Mary Jane anymore, and they created this girl to be the new love interest for him, and then she turned... Oh, no, she was actually... Excuse me. No, it was Harry Osborn's girlfriend. It wasn't the girl that was his new love interest. And she turned out to be the villain Menace. And I just remember reading it and rolling my eyes and thinking, this sucks. Right. So that's the first one that comes to mind for me. Ooh. Hmm. Oh, I... Well, yeah, I don't know. People may not like me when I say this. No, go ahead. Batman, right? No. No, I've never liked Amadeus Cho. I'll be honest, I don't really know who it is. It, wasn't he the little kid that Hercules was hanging around with? Yeah, but he's, I don't know. I just, isn't and it, I, isn't and he I, the Hulk I, and now? And now that he's the Hulk, I like him even less. Right. I, there's just, I, I don't know. That That's just me. I can't put it, there's just something about the character. I, I never really liked him when he was with Herc, and I just never, never got into him. And it just, he just seems like, and you think he'd be a character, but maybe, maybe they, the younger Maybe a younger me could get into the character. So, you know, oh, yeah, the, you know, to be a kid with a... Maybe it's the older me that just can't get into him and just doesn't like him. But, yeah, I would I would, I would erase him. Psst, gone. <laughs> Perhaps if you spoke Oviedo. <laughs> Bill, go ahead and read what you posted in the uh, in the thread, buddy. The th- oh, I just closed the window. <laughs> I believe I said thanks. Uh, thanks to everyone for sending in the questions, and we 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 did answer them all. And oh, it'll be a few weeks, and we we should get to them. But I believe there was two other things before that. Hold on. Well, they weren't questions, but yeah, I can read it. It was from Mark Comback. He said uh, there needs to be some real life with Doctor Bill sprinkled in there somewhere. And uh, Kyle Benning said, or a whole episode of nothing but real life with Doctor Bill. After all, he has nowhere else to go. See, the whole thing is real life with Dr. Bill is fantasy life for almost anyone else. (laughs) I don't know how to take that. These things really happen to me, you know. You should take it as it's intended. (laughs) I got nowhere else to go! I got nowhere else to go! Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email 
at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Oh, so what is this? Back to the bins? Where are we? We are back to the bins. We are back to the bins. Bum, 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 bum. No, that doesn't work, does it? Not really. Wait, we are binsers. Bum, 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 bum.